staff. You have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge. Duh. I want to cast a spell. Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes, you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it. I can cast any of these, right? On the list? Yes, any any of the first level ones. I'm going to get a soda. Anyone want one? Hey, Graham, I'm not in the room, right? What room? I want to cast magic missile. The room where he's casting all these spells from. He hasn't cast anything yet. I am though, if you'd listen. I'm casting magic missile. Why are you casting magic missile? There's nothing to attack here. I, I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. You attack the darkness. There's an elf in front of you. Whoa, that's me, right? He's wearing a, 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 a brown tunic, and he has gray hair and blue eyes. No, I don't. I have gray eyes. Let me see that sheet. Well, it says I have... Well, it says I have blue, but I decided I wanted gray eyes. Whatever. Okay, you guys can talk to each other now if you want. Hello. Hello. I am Galstaff, Sorcerer of Light. Then how come you had to cast Magic Missile? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you guys are being attacked. Do I see that happening? No, you're outside by the tavern. Cool, I get drunk. <sighs> there, are, there are seven ogres surrounding you. How could they surround us? I had Morton Titan's Magical Watchdog cast. No, you didn't. I'm getting drunk. Are there any girls there? I totally did. You asked me if I wanted any equipment before this adventure, and I said no. But I need material components for all my spells. So I cast Morton Titan's Faithful Watchdog. But you never actually cast it. Roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. <sighs> yeah, you are. Are there any girls there? Yeah. I did, though. I completely said when you asked me. No, you didn't. You didn't actually say that you were casting the spell. So now there's ogres, okay? Ogres? Man, I got an ogre slaying knife. It's got a plus nine against ogres. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Okay, but if there's any girls there, I want to do that. Eight minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of November, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker, thank you for joining us today. It is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into amusement in all of its many iterations. It is uh, 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, not the same thing. Uh, two cents, ponderings, musings, whatever it is you might have today. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Today we're going to try to get to wait. Where are my dice of destiny? Hold on a second. Wait, wait. All right, we're trying to get to calls today within. Seven minutes. There you go. Today, all calls gotten to within 
Seven minutes. Uh, it is uh, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able, and in heels as well, uh, to pass along all your observations today. It's 503-733-2970. Quite literally. And I don't know if they're the no, same he's heels. No, he's around. I think they're bigger ones today. It seems like he's escalating fairly quickly. Well, all right. I mean, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. As long as he doesn't fall on his face, it's fine with me. Uh, by the way, but don't you always anticipate, you know, it's like you can, as everybody knows, you can make it rain by washing your car. Don't you figure that we can probably make, like, the regional vice president of the CBS radio appear by putting Richie in heels in a dress? You know what I mean? That you know, the day he decides to come to work in some sort of a truss and a wig, that's going to be the day. Well, you know that this is just the beginning. I mean, he's starting with the shoes, and it's going to inevitably move forward. He's going to come in and be all geened up, talking to himself in his mother's voice. Hello, Richie. Hello, mother. I'm going to help Richie do his makeup sometime soon. Uh, all right. He's going to wear a moo moo and some heels. It'll be hot. That's fantastic. And that'll he'll come in in his full-on Mrs. Roper outfit, and that'll be the day that Lisa Decker decides to come down to this, you know, decide to pay us all a visit. All right. Well, in any event, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you can email us if you like as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. No, I mean, don't put me down in that fruit cellar. Uh, Sarah at 970.am, Richie with a T at 970.am, and uh, filling in for Tim Riley, who shall rejoin us tomorrow. Uh, Adam Thompson, so it's uh, Adam at 970.am. Hello there. Woot. Thank you. See? Well done. Yeah, I learned a new word from Rick today. All right, there's uh, W-O-O-T. Would you like to know what it stands for? It is, technically speaking, an acronym. Okay, lay it on me. It is, it's kind of become one of those acronyms that really no longer stands for anything. Did you know that AT&T doesn't stand for anything anymore? just stands for AT&T. Hmm. It is no longer American Telephone and Telegraph. And actually, speaking of that... Adam was in my office yesterday after the show, and we were talking about something, and you actually asked me what a teletype was. And yeah. I felt really old. Sarah, you know what a teletype is, don't you? Sort of? Sort of. In a, you know, in some sort of a vague way? Yeah. All right. Well, in any event, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> so AT&T no longer stands for American Telephone and Telegraph. It just stands for AT&T. Just like the A&E network used to stand for? Arts and Entertainment. Doesn't anymore. It just stands for A&E. Really? Yes. Wow. So Woot... Uh, is a gamer term that I think originally stood for, it was sort of an, as you said, an exultation of victory, sort of Johnny Drama style. Victory! Thank you. Uh, and it was for when you had to vanquished your foe on the field of Halo 2 or some such, and it stood for uh, We Own the Other Team. Ah. Which oh, then, uh, but then it became shortened to Woot, and now, but now it's like you got to do it with Wouldn't like... Wouldn't it be Watt's <laughs> No. No, that would be that would be we are terrible. Toast. We we own the other team. There's a, there's a T in there that's being ignored. I think there's one of the. I think they're dropping it though for the sake of sort of uh, linguistic expediency. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so now when you spell, you got to do it with like zeros and like a five or something. But anyway, so there you go. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, hello. Uh, coming up on today's program, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And here's the thing about um, about today's Lisa segment. So we're going to talk to you about, of course, the stupid failing economy, uh, economy of the, uh, you know, the, the auto industry and all of that. But m- more importantly, we're going to talk about Candy Crowley a little bit uh, because I was having dinner with Johnny DeRoshi last night, and so we were talking about how we just, even now after the election, we just sit and nerd out in front of the television. I mean, not you know, like together, uh, but watching CNN and just sort of, uh, you know, and just, just rolling around in it like a dog in a freshly cut lawn. And we were talking about our favorite CNN correspondents because that's just how exciting we are. And I was saying that I'm a big fan of Roland Martin, but, you know, of course, I also like John King, but then nobody can really hold a candle to uh, to David Gergen, who really is... David Gergen is like some sort of political Miyagi figure, where he just speaks, 
with just absolute confidence and authority and clarity, and he sort of makes you feel uh, empowered but soothed all at once. And I think somebody, I forget it was, um, some hot like Alterna girl who writes a blog somewhere about something or other, she made the greatest observation about David Gerger, uh, which I'm just going to pass along now as my own. So if you're only listening to like half an ear, you're going to think I came up with this, and then you'll think I'm even more brilliant than I already do. It's like, you know, you can get those little alarm clocks by the side of your bed from the sharper image or wherever that, you know, they make like soothing noises. Babbling brook, stream, foghorn. And you turn them on and they just sort of lull you to sleep with their dulcet tones. She was saying that she wants to have one of those, but it's just going to be the voice of David Gergen talking about the economy. And it's just going to be David Gergen over and over again going, well, Anderson, what you're going to find here is that as the gross national product decreases, you'll find the consumer confidence. And I'm doing a terrible David Gergen voice, but he does just have this... He has this sort of warm yet crisp timbre to his voice that I find very relaxing. The point is, I was talking to Joni about CNN last night, and she made the observation that Candy Crowley is sort of fascinating to her because she just seems to have an absolute grasp on the facts and knowledge. She seems like a very, you know, solid woman, politically speaking, and in terms of knowledge. And so Joni went and she looked her up, and there's just no information to be found about Candy Crowley at all. It's like she just comes from planet Newsonia. Uh, in, in fact... There, I don't know if it's still this way, but if you went to Candy Crowley's Wikipedia entry, A, it was like four sentences long. B, it gave her place of birth as Whoville. So we're going to ask Lisa about Candy Crowley today. Uh, what else is coming up? CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. Uh, we'll also talk to Nina Parker from TMZ. Uh, we did not get to this yesterday, but it's still applicable today because Tim Riley's at home recuperating. He says that, quote, he is making... Incremental progress, but does not yet feel up to snuff. So because of that, we're going to do the uh, top five sick-oriented songs uh, today. We will get to that today. Geek Watch, Cannibal Watch, uh, Monkey Watch coming out today. Um, high Concept Thursday may become High Concept Tuesday, depending on how much time we have, uh, your phone calls, and more. Plus giveaways. So many giveaways and uh, whatnot. Adam Thompson is working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. Well... I got a reality check for Sarah Palin, wedding bells for Kelly Osborne, and as you just mentioned, watches of multiple varieties. Geek, corpse, monkey, even clown, Rick. All it's right. going to be a clown watch. That's fantastic, Adam. How are you feeling today? A uh, little, little better than yesterday. Really? I got a couple hours of sleep before I came in today. All right. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think I might be the only person in the studio that is above 90%. I mean, I'm sure that's going to increase as the day goes on, and we're going to be firing on all cylinders, even cylinders whose existence was previously unknown to us. But right now, I'm saying I'm feeling fine, and that's okay. I know that everybody's going to be up above with me, you know, uh, very soon. How can you not? All right. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Yeah, I'm about at 40%. <laughs> See, I don't want to call you out by name. No, I'm totally hungover. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I am saying that. I went to, like... I went to a comedy show last night. Was that comedy with a K? <laughs> oh, yes, it was, Rick. Yeah. And, yeah, and so in order for, you know, it, it to be most enjoyable, I had to have many, many cocktails. You drank until they were funny. Just say it. Okay, yes, I did. All right, good for yes. you. What were you doing over there? The morning zoo cowbell. Is that what morning zoos do now? They have cowbells now? You never heard that's of morning It's not a cowbell. Cow? That's like a, but it's not even a cowbell. That's like a. That's like a little, like. Is that like, that's like, did Rick, oh my God, I forgot, that was the sound we used to use to summon Richie Bristol. <laughs> Richie, just Richie just appeared in the studio. Oh, is that what the, Richie, could, could, you, could you get me an English muffin, please, with an extra butter? Or a baby. 
I completely <laughs> forgot that that was the bell we used to use to summon Richie Bristol. I'm sorry, Richie. I'm sorry. That's uh, that's uh, my my apology. How do you make him leave? leave? You don't need nothing. No, there you go, Richie. No, gonna, thank you, though, Richie. Right, shuffle back off the buffalo. Awesome. No, because now we have that crying game sound. Well, did we use that thing for Scotty too? Or did Scotty no. just have that Scotty J sounder that he made? This is David Cassidy going. Right. <laughs> it's funny how Richie just comes in matter of fact, after, you know, right away. Yeah, five kinda, seconds of the bell ring. Sort of makes me feel burns like. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just sort of ringing it and it goes down one of those big flugelhorn things to Smithers, you know, who's in like an underground lair. A flugelhorn. All right, well, in any event. So how was the uh, kooky, crazy excursion into comedy? Oh, it was hilarious. It was actually really funny. It was this, this local guy, Augie Smith. He was being roasted in my friend. Who is Augie Smith? Is he an he's athlete a, a of local, some kind? He's a local comedian. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and my friend was uh, one of the roaster people. So I went and saw that. And uh, yeah, Kelsey and I went. And she says hi, by the way. All right. And so we ended up getting yeah, completely schnockered. That's hard to believe. <laughs> Isn't that a shocker? It's, it's, it's a real shocker. Was it, was it even more shocking later on when Kelsey said, I can't believe how drunk I am. And then just sort of like poured herself in the back of your car or whatever. <laughs> no, she actually, she did end up switching to bitters and soda like halfway through the night. Here's the thing. And Kelsey, if you're listening, I don't mean for this to sound, I, I, I don't, this will come out wrong and I don't, I don't quite know how to make it come out right. So you'll just have to bear with me and you'll have to trust me when I say that I mean, I intend no malice with this statement. Here's the thing about Kelsey, um, who can be seen, I believe, in the opening, the introductory video for uh, Emerson's Eleven. Uh, I think slapping Adam is. Are you? She's slapping you, or is she kneeing Timmy in the groin? Uh, I believe she's the one kneeing Timmy in the nether region. Yes, yeah, she kneed him. Here's the thing about Kelsey. She's a very beautiful girl, and I'm sure will remain beautiful uh, her entire life. She got at least three years left. Here's the thing about her, though is that I can, without any trouble at all, picture exactly what she's going to look like when she's 60. You know what I mean? And again, I'm, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying... <laughs> but you know what? Some people, like, you can't figure out what they're going to look like when they become older. And again, I'm not saying she's... I'm not saying she looks old or, you know, anything like that. I just... Some people, you look at them and you can't... You go... You know, it's like older people, sometimes you can't figure out what they look like when they were 20. Mm-hmm. You know, you like uh, with your, you know, like sometimes it's that way with your parents. Like you can't picture your parents. I can't wait to tell her this. So you can see her as a 60-year-old when you look at her. I guess I'm, you see, but you know, you're, you're willfully <laughs> you're mis- you're misrepresenting my statement. I'm just saying I can absolutely see what she's going to look like uh, when she is a somewhat older woman. I mean, and it's still beautiful, but it's just, she's got such a well-defined uh, style about her already. I can just sort of play that forward in my head, time-lapse photography stuff without any difficulty at all. Well, we both kind of dress like like old ladies right now. We have kind of, a, well, kind of, I was going to say a classic style. Yeah. That's the way I was going to position that statement. Or old ladies. All right, then. And you know the reason why I love Kelsey is that, it, so I dragged her to this comedy show, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and she was a willful participant, and she stayed the whole time with me, and she was there rocking a New Kids on the Block hat. Of course. I loved it, because I had the exact same hat when I was in fifth grade, and I guess she stole it from her little brother, and she was wearing it. By the way, Richie wants to know that there's a video on the website of her grabbing his junk. So, there you go. Okay, good talk. In any event, uh, all right, let's see. Uh, what else? Oh, tonight, so uh, today is the, what, tw- uh, 18th? 18th. Yes. That means, so for S.H.I.E.L.D. fans in the house, tonight, the second to last episode of The S.H.I.E.L.D. ever, the penultimate episode. By the way, speaking of things that are penultimate, I heard Anderson Cooper uh, misuse that word the other day. And when he, whenever there's somebody who is really intelligent, or somebody you respect, somebody that you're a little bit in awe of, it's always equal parts disappointing and kind of heartening when you hear them really badly misuse a word. It happens here at work like four times a day. Well, see, and I know that I mispronounce stuff. Like, I know that for a while I was mispronouncing. I was calling it quantum of solace. Uh, and what else? I used to say, somebody had to correct me because I was saying 
instead of panoply, I was adding an extra syllable. I was actually like panoply. Panoply, yeah. And so somebody, this woman, Kathy, was like, it's panoply. Stop it. But Anderson Cooper flat out misused the word. He, he referred to somebody as being, Rahm Emanuel as being the penultimate choice for chief of staff. And it, it, unless there was sort of somebody who was a first choice who turned the gig down, which there wasn't, I mean, that's just using the word incorrectly. Now, don't get me wrong. Anderson Cooper continues to be a professional and a very pretty man. But it was, mm -hmm. it kind of made me feel a little bit better about myself that he misused the word. You know, I was sort of like, ah, I get, you know, like my merit badge for, uh, for linguistic accuracy just got a little bit brighter. In any event, so tonight is the penultimate episode of The Shield. Uh, there's tonight, and there's one more, baby, and that, that's it. And tonight and uh, next week, I don't think they've been screened for anybody except maybe Kenneth Turan at the L.A. Times. I don't think anybody else has seen him. If you know anything about tonight's Shield, don't send it to me. I don't want to know. Don't call. Don't hint. Don't text. Don't write. Don't send me a singing telegram telling me that, uh, that Shane ends up uh, dead on a beach in Mexico. I don't want anything about it. So tonight, uh, we've got the final, uh, the second to last uh, episode, almost the final episode of The Shield, and then next Tuesday, it, it all wraps up. So, it's all very exciting. And I've already plotted out my entire night around the television, because the last, you know, because my wife's been gone since last Tuesday, but he's like, almost every night since Tuesday, I've had something planned, and I haven't really been able to go home and just, just kind of get my sloth on. So, because we had... I had to uh, spend last Tuesday night prepping for the Outlook at Portland show that I do, the, the CW thing, and we had the James Bond thing, and I had Roger Klein, and I had all this crap to do. So tonight, I'm going to go home, and here's my television watching schedule, in case you'd like to sort of play along at home, sort of picture pages style. I'm going to go home and finish the second half of Bender's Game, which is the new Futurama movie. I'm going to finish two episodes of Dexter, which is going to get me up to speed, because everybody's sending me all these emails telling me that the Dexter show is, uh, that it's kind of, it's just reached a whole new levels of, uh, of weirdness. So I'm going to get that done, then I'm going to watch The Shield, bam, then we're done. Then we're done. Then I am completely caught up with my television viewing. And then once I'm done with The Shield, then I'm going to pick uh, some new program to watch front to back. And I think it's going to be 30 Rock. Because right now, I'm only like five episodes into that series at all. And I think 30 Rock is, I think they just finished their third season. So I got three whole seasons done. So I'm going to try to get as much. This is my pledge to you. Uh, as host to audience, speaker to listener, yin to yang, uh, sunshine to moon glow, my pledge, my promise, my vow, my solemn oath to you is that I am going to buckle down and watch as much television as I possibly can in the next ten days so that my pop cultural literacy might, uh, yeah. might be even more pronounced. A um, couple brief notes, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. A, if you've ever woken up with a song in your head or just a part of a song, like yesterday, we played that Theory of a Dead Man. Yeah. This is a song, the I Hate My Life. And oh, we have to play that again. Today. Well, and it has what is the greatest opening line probably to any any song I've ever heard. Right now? Let me see if I can actually, uh, let me see where I put it here, Theory of a Dead Man. All right, I'm just going to play just the opening. I'm not going to play the whole thing. This is a fantastic opening line for any song. So sick of the hobo. Right there, that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna make that my new "You've Got Mail" tone. By the way, he's obviously homophobic. <laughs> you like that? Uh, Adam Thompson. We need to take that bell away from him. <laughs> <laughs> so all day yesterday, because we played that song, I had just that opening line looping around in my head, sort of like uh, back when he used to listen to vinyl, and it would get stuck, and it would just be the one, you know, just like the first five bars of something or whatever, just the first few notes playing over and over. So I was walking around the office all day yesterday. Just singing to myself out loud for no real reason. And in that guy's voice. And then people would sort of look at me. 
to the half the people knew what I was singing, and then they just thought I was retarded, and the other half thought that I had just developed some weird sort of Asperger's syndrome. Right, it latched onto a nonsense phrase and was, in fact, just projecting it out of my mouth for no reason. So sick of the hobos. And then like, scratching myself and barking. Um, so that usually happens to me in the morning, though. Like, I will wake up with just part of a song or a phrase just sort of cycling around in my head. And if for some reason, it used to be Allison by Elvis Costello. Oh, that's not bad. I used to wake up like five days a week. I just listened to that last night. And, you know, it's a great song. Yeah. But I would wake up five days, six days, seven days in a row. And it was just the, um, it was just the the final half of the chorus. It was just that, uh, uh, Allison, you know my aim is true, which is great. But when you just hear that three seconds in your head for like four days in a row, it's like he kind of, you know, sort of wears on you a bit. So you know, here's what it was this morning. I woke up with two. This is how my mind works. In case you've ever wanted to take like a little, like a little sort of a like a thrill ride through the funhouse uh, mirror that is my brain. Oh yeah. So this is what was happening in my head this morning. I had two things that were sort of you know it was a confluence of two things going through my brain together. One, I kept thinking about Silver Spoons, you know, like the sitcom from the eighties with uh, with Ricky Schroeder and, and what's Carlton. His, and Carlton Alfonso, Alfonso Ribeiro and also the uh, Aaron Gray. And I kept thinking to myself. And I think his name was just Rick on the show, too. I think it was Rick Stratton. And so I kept thinking to myself, what happened to Rick Stratton's mom? Is she dead? Are they divorced? Why is Rick... Because remember the first episode of Silver Spoons, he comes to live with the dad. He he hasn't lived there all along. He's come to live with the father. And so, but I don't think they ever explain what happened to Ma Stratton. She's just sort of gone. I'm thinking minimum security white collar prison. Entirely possible. Club fed. You know, but and I think it's like I think on the Brady Bunch. I can't remember if they ever announced this or not because you know because Mrs. Brady was divorced, but Mr. Brady was a widower. Um, And I think they might have clarified something in the first episode about about Mr. Brady's wife having passed away. They never said on the series that Mrs. Brady was divorced, but she was. That is that is accepted Brady Bunch canon. So, but my thing with Silver Spoons is they never say where Ricky Schroeder's mom went. And I, and I well, and it was like one of those things I haven't thought about. It's like when you wake up at three in the morning and you begin weeping uncontrollably about some dog that followed you home in second grade and your parents wouldn't let you keep him. You haven't thought about it forever. Suddenly can't get back to sleep. It's the only thing that dominates your thoughts. So this morning, and it was like all I could do not to get up and go to the computer and turn on like Wikipedia or whatever and look it up. But then you realize that you've just then you realize you have just given your addiction a firm grasp over all of your behavior, that you were totally enthralled to a bunch of stupid minutiae. So I figured I'd come in here today and somebody would know. So if you can answer that for me, it'll dig a lot off my mind. That and I had part of Coward of the County going through my head, the Kenny Rogers song, but not the Kenny Rogers version. It was in fact the Chipmunks version oh. of Kenny Rogers hit Coward of the County. <laughs> So if you had been able to open up my brain like some sort of a Windows folder this morning and look inside, what you would have witnessed is the hook from the Chipmunks version of Kenny Rogers' Coward of the County going over and over again in my head, and then layered on top of that is this sort of obsessive pondering about the family status of Rick Stratton on Silver Spoons and where the hell his mom went. So there you go. Man, right. you take medication? Tough to be you, Rick Emerson. Yeah. The subtitle for this opening monologue is The Reason I Can't Hold Any Other Job. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins from The Hill. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, your calls, top five, and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. That's right. All right. 
It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Don't forget uh, two random on-air callers today. At the sole discretion of one Richie Bristol. Two random on-air callers today uh, will win lift tickets either to Mount Ashland or Cooper Spur. I guess those are places where you ski. Uh, in any event, so, so there's lift tickets. I think it's uh, four packs. So two random on-air callers today win a four-pack of lift tickets. And then at the end of this week, we actually started this last week, and it's going to go through this week. At the end of this week, everybody who's won the lift tickets uh, goes into a drawing to win the brand-new GNU brand snowboard. Again with the brand-new GNU. Laugh and chuckle. Again, Rick? Again? That's last week's material. What are you doing? What are you doing? Just give me a chortle, and then I'll stop doing it. I'm just going to keep doing it until somebody laughs once. Adam, laugh at that. Ha ha ha. I hate you all. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. So that is uh, today. Coming up later on, senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Your phone calls, Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. And more. But first, ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome CNN Radio correspondent and dashing woman about town, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hello there. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. You sound ever so slightly off kilter. I, you know, it's it's just really nuts right now. Like a lot of people are messaging me, and it's just really not, I'm just nah, I just need just nah. Sorry. Okay then. Um, <laughs> well, now can I ask what this is in regards to? Is this because of, of no, what's happening right now? Hey, what is happening right now? Um, no, it's a classic. The senators are here today to do to have leadership meetings, essentially vote uh, for their leadership on the Republican Democratic sides for next year. Mm-hmm. So you know. That, that's when you can get them. You can ask them anything you want. So I'm running up and down the stairs, essentially, to find senators and talk to them about a whole bunch of things. And uh, ran back upstairs, uh, and I actually did tell one of them. I think it was Lindsey Graham. I was like, I, I can live shot with Portland, Oregon. And uh, but that's I, right. I, you tell Mr. Graham he has to I, wait. Rick Emerson is on the line. That's right. I got. I got to go. Uh, but I ran, you know, ran upstairs, and then they have seen and scheduled a whole bunch of stuff for me that I didn't realize. And they're all messaging me, "Hey, let's do this. Hey, can we do?" You know, and I'm like, "Just give me just a second, guys." All right. Well, here, let the Rick Emerson show be your moment of zen, your special place, your uh, your slice of clarity, the the, the sorbet that takes the uh, that takes the the, you know, the the taste of an otherwise hurly burly experience off your palate. Okay. I appreciate that. All right, how long do you have? Uh, 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 ten minutes, maybe. Wow. You, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. You sound unbelievably out of sorts today, and I find it kind of charming. <laughs> um, hey, before we do anything else, hey, did you ever watch Silver Spoons? And I know you did. Of course. All right. So what is the deal with, with Rick Stratton's mom? Where is the mom? Is she dead? Where is the mom? Because he didn't he, have a mom. That was the whole point. You everybody mean, has a mom, Lisa. Let's not uh, deny nature, I mean, shall we? Aaron, what was her last? Aaron Gray. No, no, no. But that was no, no, no. See, you know, you're completely misrepresenting this. I can tell this is a road to nowhere with you. Um, the it, Aaron Gray played uh, Rick Stratton's the dad's girlfriend. Girlfriend, right? They and they eventually so, did. Yeah, they had, right. They eventually did get married in season five, I believe. Oh, really? Now she was just the uh, girlfriend, and I do believe his secretary. Uh, I think she was like his. Yeah. Kind of his like right hand woman, Gal Friday, whatever, and then of course they yeah. got married. Yeah. But in the if you remember the beginning of the series, Rick Stratton comes to live with the dad at Stratton Manor or whatever the hell it's called. So because he'd and he'd been with the mom, uh, presumably or maybe uh, you know some sort of Dickensian orphanage. I don't really know. I have no idea. So I'm unclear about whether they ever explained it. Okay, there's three possibilities. A, they gave an explanation for the mom, and I just don't remember it. B. 
they never gave an explanation of the mom, and none exists even in the mind of the writer. Or C, they never gave the explanation for the mom on the air, but that it is sort of, it does exist in the canon, just like, and we were saying this earlier, just like on the Brady Bunch, Mrs. Brady, uh, uh, Florence Henderson, is in fact uh, a divorcee, even though they never say it on the show. Oh, that's it, because we know that he was the widower. That, exactly. But she is divorced, right. although they never mentioned it. Right. So, and I woke up this morning obsessing for no re- and well, Are you sure about that with her divorce? I, I, okay, I'll take, I'll take it, I'll take it from you. This but is I, coming, I, I don't no, no, know. This is, this is coming from, uh, this is coming from the book Growing Up Brady. Um, okay. and, and Florence Henderson herself is quoted in the book as saying that Mrs. Brady was, was divorced. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but, and so I was saying earlier that I actually woke up this morning, and whenever it is my alarm went off, like 7.30 or something, woke up this morning with two things in my head. One, uh, the hook from Kenny Rogers' Coward of the County as sung by the Chipmunks. And two, this obsessive sort of pondering of the family status of Rick Stratton on Silver Spoons. And it wasn't like I woke up and was looking for things to think about, and I latched onto those. When I woke up, those two things were already in my head. And so then the question that sort of leads to is, what is my brain doing while I'm asleep? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> while I'm unconscious, what sort of strange freaking activity is going on in the lobes inside my head? You know, because that's a kind of like when you, uh, when you walk into a room in Florida and you turn the light and you catch the cockroaches in the act of taking your refrigerator out to the back alley. <laughs> it's like I woke up and my brain was thinking about Coward of the County and Silver Spoons. What the hell was going on in my head between like midnight and seven that those are the things that hadn't been put away quite yet? I don't know. It's all very strange. All it right. is very strange. Now I'm all remembering the Whitney Houston episode of Silver Spoons. Wait a minute. I don't remember the Whitney Houston episode. There was definitely a Whitney Houston episode, and I, I think she sang Saving All My Lovin' for You. Now, was Whitney... And I think that she she was dating uh, whoever the black other staffer was, that guy. Oh, yeah. Who was... Um, and that was that was uh, Alfonso Ribeiro's uncle, yeah. I believe, yeah. on the program. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh God! Now see, now I got more stuff to worry about. I remember the time that Mr. T was on Silver Spoons, but it kind of weirded me out because he wasn't really playing himself. Oh, it was wow. it was all very strange. All right, well, which reminds me that you know I have to say I think Rocky Three was actually a pretty okay movie. No, no, no. I know. Well, and it, is it true that by the way that one of your cats is Drago? No, I, Ivan. Ivan. All Rocky right. and Ivan are our cats. Okay, well, I, I got to finish this road all the way to the end, and then we'll get back to some actual news for you have to go. Speaking of Mr. T. Have you, in fact, seen the Mr. T infomercial for the Flavor Wave Oven Turbo? No. Oh, come on. Lisa, oh, you're missing out. Oh, it's the Can't best thing that's ever been on film, it, and it's not a fake. It's a real infomercial, but because because the people care, what they've done is they've made a six-minute distillation where it's basically a Ooh. they have boiled down the infomercial Ooh. to its like the, the finest components. They've taken this half-hour infomercial for the Flavor Wave Oven Turbo, not the Flavor Wave Turbo Oven, mind you, the Oven Turbo, which is kind of a, ling a linguistic mouthful. But they boiled it down to six minutes of just pure distilled genius. The best part is doing like a little drinking game at home and taking a drink uh, every time Mr. T is forced to use an old 18 catchphrase in reference to the oven oh, or, how, yes. or how well it cooks a piece of meat. <laughs> they even force him to use George Papard's catchphrase. At one point... Mr. T is like cooking up a roast or some such, and he says, Dala, I love it when it plans come together. And it's and I'm watching him going, oh, come on, that's Hannibal. Exactly. Wow. Right. Now, was he was he with or without the gold chains? Uh, without, he was wearing an emasculating apron, though, so you got okay. that working for you. This was after he had, he had given up the gold. I'll send you the link. Um, uh, now, 
this is an awkward conversation. Maybe we should have this off the air. But, you know, I send everything to your CNN account, and I'm always afraid to send you stuff like that because I know she's getting in trouble. So at some point... No, no, that's okay. It's, that's pretty timely conversation, actually. Okay. But, but that, that, that stuff's okay. I was going to say, not that I would ever ask for this, but if there ever is like an alternate email you want to give me so I can send you Mr. T stuff, you I love... would say generally the things that you shouldn't send me are things that could get either one of us in legal trouble. Well, nothing can get me in legal trouble. I work for... I, really? I, I work here at CBS. There, there are no rules or bounds. There is no law here. <laughs> Um, all right. Anything that would get me in legal trouble. All right. Well, duly noted. All right. Uh, so, uh, real quickly, before you got to skedaddle, I got a, uh, two yeah. questions. So, one about the auto industry. Right. So this. So what is it? So Paulson's whole deal now is, he's just saying no. He's just saying like, yeah. like not on my watch. I will give none of the seven hundred billion or however much it is is going to go to the auto industry. Is that right? That's what he's saying. So is that, in other words, you know, I don't even know the process. So when he says that, does that mean case closed, or is like there's still going to be some fight about it? Pretty much. I mean, the Congress could could vote. To, to, to stipulate, yes, that that money sh- can go to the auto industry, should go to the auto industry. They can vote all they want, but the president will still veto that. So, I mean, it really it, it, it's pointless. And it, now Republicans are trying to say uh, there's this other $25 billion that they've already passed. Uh, and, and we've talked about this before. That's kind of hanging out there, but the process for that is very slow. And so now Republicans are saying, hey, let's just try and speed up the process for that. Detroit is saying, no. We need all that money, and we need money right now. And we think that the, the the way that the bailout is structured is it gives huge amounts of money uh, to institutions more quickly than the federal government has pretty pretty much ever done. It's, it's a very rapid process, relatively, and that's one reason that Detroit has its eyes on it because they're saying we need. GM, for example, I think is saying that it will collapse. It doesn't have enough money to make it past Christmas if it doesn't get a loan. Now, not everyone buys that, and some people say, well, so be it. You know, you guys, you know, made your bed, you got to lie in it, but other people say, no, that would uh, wreak havoc on the economy. All right, so i got a question. Why haven't they, maybe they have, gotten some sort of computer-slash-math nerd, uh, some Professor Frink guy, and stuck him in a lab, and I know this sounds a bit daft, but with a some sort of computer simulation, like Whopper style, for what would happen to the American economy if they just told the auto industry to get bent and to do a better job with their money next time? Right. I mean, I would like to see, and I, I don't mean you to, don't know, right? and, and I don't mean to sound flip about it, but I mean really to take almost like one of those, you know, like one of those games where it's like you know sim amusement park where you got to like build and run a business, and then you know you can, right. and then sometimes you can intentionally screw it up by taking like all the safety guards off the roller coaster, and you see what happens. Right. I would like to see a computer simulation of the American economy using every variable that we can actually come up with right now. And then, but but then, you know, in the variable called auto industry, just you know, next to bailout, put no, and then hit start and see what happens. I, I mean, even as a piece of sort of news entertainment, that would be interesting. But I'd like to see what the actual effect might be. Yeah, I think that's what, you know, and going back to Lindsey Graham, he has a very interesting perspective because uh, in what was his congressional district, um, BMW has a big plant in South Carolina in his former district, and uh, you know he, he says, listen, you know, I've got four companies providing jobs in my state and those foreign companies actually had a much better business model they ran things so that they could survive and how am i supposed to tell those guys hey we're giving a bunch of money to your competitors uh who couldn't figure it out who for years uh have pretended that the industry wasn't changing even when everyone told them that it is you know and why should he's like to me helping my people is almost not giving money to Detroit. He's like, we've right. got BMW in our state, right. and, and they're do they're doing well. So he he's the kind of Republican that's going to say that is saying essentially, yeah, let them fry. That was actually going to be another one of my questions. Is you know the, I know the economy 
maybe hits America in a different way than it does other nations. But, I mean, are, are car companies around the world in the same crunch, or is it uniquely American? Is it um, unique to American car companies? Um. Sorry, say that again. Well, in other words, you were talking about BMW doing well, and I guess that is, you know, that's a question I have. Is obviously the the, the economy, the economic crisis hits everybody around the world, but you know, is it affecting you know BMW? Is it affecting Mercedes? Is it affecting Toyota as hard as it's affecting GM? I think it is affecting pretty much many major companies, but you know, I honestly don't know. I don't know how it's affecting those companies. I think um, Toyota didn't they just overtake Ford as the number one they did, uh, they in the did, U.S.? Actually. And so to some extent, the problems with the American car companies are probably helping. I'm just This is just a guess, but just from reading what's out there is uh, probably helping foreign companies weather a very tough time because obviously the credit markets being in bad shape is bad for every car dealer, but the fact that the American car dealers uh, are, are you know choking in the fourth quarter here is good for foreign companies, I would imagine. Okay. Uh, as we uh, wrap it up, apparently Ricky Stratton's mother sent him away uh, to military school. Oh, there was a military school. Right, right. And see, now, see, but now I've got three different versions of the story, all of them sort of d- disagreeing on key facts. But presumably, what we can all agree on here is that Ricky Stratton's mom sent him to boarding school. The dad didn't even know he had a son. Edward didn't even know he had a son. Found out, came to the school to bring the kid home to live with him. Uh, and so the mom just was a deadbeat mom? Just, I guess. I think she just she couldn't be bothered. Um, you know who I imagine is that mom? I imagine a, a, a middle-aged Haley Mills. I feel like she was always in that role. Hey, good for you. Uh, and as we, uh, my final fun fact for the day, and we'll talk more about this the next time, apparently on her Wikipedia entry, Candy Crowley is listed as having been born in Whoville. Oh, hey, that's great. Yeah, all right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? I will be here tomorrow, yes. All right. We will talk to you then. As always, have a great day, and may it be moderately stress-free. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins. There you go. Wonderful. Hello, everyone. Hello. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's going to be a stellar program. It's uh, 503-733-2970. I'm playing um, through the pain, Rick. I know. No, I uh, I think that uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna rally here in these uh, next few moments. We're gonna come back stronger than ever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Adam. Hello. Hey, hi. Uh, yeah. So, so yesterday I had two things stuck in my head. One was uh, that horrible, horrible, horrible Nickelback song, thanks to the Rick Emerson Show. It's what we do. And uh, this morning I woke up with uh, probably just as strange as your uh, Silver Spoons thing, but from uh, Return of the Jedi when Admiral Akbar discovers that the Death Star is operational, you go, it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. You can't repel the power of that magnitude. <laughs> Okay, by the way, can I tell you, I saw the funniest thing uh, the other day. It was, I forget, Jesus, it was on some some message board or something, and it was, it was, it was like one of those, it was like on Dig, I think, it was where I saw it, and it was, you know, one of those, Dig is like FARC, basically, it's sort of a news aggregator, people post like stories and videos and pictures and whatever, and it was, it was kind of a funny picture of... This sort of like, like uh, you know, this kind of white trash kind of trailer park sort of a place. And a guy, a guy had basically, he was leaving for work in the morning. And as he was leaving for work, he was pulling this huge, it looked like a, it looked like a, it looked like a huge sort of poncho over his trailer home, presumably to keep it from prying eyes while he was away. You know, he was basically trying to, you know, like uh, trying to mask his dwelling while he was, while he was going to work. But... 
that really is unimportant. What's important is that in the in the comments, somebody actually posted a a picture of that guy from Jedi with the phrase, "It's a tarp." It's a tarp. It's a tarp. Never mind. All right, thank you. That's your over. That was just a long way to go to a joke that had no that was resonance. A really long way. I think I fell asleep. It's a tarp. It's funny if you. Aaron's laughing somewhere right now. Yeah, I forget exactly how it is that the home even came to be pictured, but it was like in one of those, you know, it was one of those places that God hates because he sends tornadoes after them all the time. And it was like a guy had been living in a trailer park, and it had gotten beat down. He didn't want bandits to come and make off with his loot or whatever, his, his, his belongings. So as he was going off to work, he was sort of pulling this big green poncho thing, this massive, like, sheet of plastic over his trailer park as some sort of weird, like, hillbilly camouflage to keep everybody from coming and, like, getting his goods while he was gone. It's a tarp. All right, back after this with Adam Thompson. You stay there, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Still to come to the top five. Seeing uh, a radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum, Nina Parker from TMZ, and more of my sparkling wit. Don't go anywhere. a massive bastard, which I appreciate. He has no shame when it comes to bastardom. That's what I'm saying. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Can you hear me? I was at a four. Now I'm at a six. Fantastic. Oh, it's getting good. Right. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Aaron wants to know that even he didn't laugh at the Akbar joke. So. <laughs> I saw that. He, yeah, he scorned you. It's a tarp. Okay, you've got to stop saying that because it's never going to be funny. 503 said, now see, that's not true. If I keep saying it over and over again... And if I secretly you know, if got you high. You recycle it enough, like, just the amount of times that you do it will make it funny? Maybe if I just said tarp, 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 tarp. After about 35 minutes, you might chuckle at that. Ever so slightly. Just... If you just say the word tarp over and over again, then maybe the I would. The tiniest little guffaw. Uh, you know what I did one time when I was, uh, I think I was maybe, I was maybe 20. My age is really unimportant. What's important is that uh, I think I had, like, a little bit of a head cold and I couldn't quite sleep. And so I was sitting there in that kind of half awake, half not edge of consciousness kind of thing. Did you have a word going through your head over and over again that you couldn't stop? And then I started saying it out loud. Did you ever find a word? <laughs> you started saying it out loud? But did you ever do this? You get a word in your head, and then you start saying it out loud to yourself, and but and then you're glad there's nobody uh, nobody's around because you just start laughing uproariously to yourself. It was salmon. I try to control myself when I do that because then I feel kind of crazy. I just kept saying, salmon, salmon, <laughs> salmon. Salmon. And and then I started going like, salmon chanted evening. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. You know what wow, I did once? You're insane, right? Yeah. Listen to this, Rick. <laughs> uh, not, as much, not as much as I used to be. I was, uh, when I was in high school, I had a math class, right? And I hate math. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I blew it off. And I, I had a thing with the word ointment. I liked it. I thought Ointment's be, a funny word. I thought it would be a good band name. Yeah. So I took my piece of graph paper, and instead of doing the day's work, I wrote ointment over and over again. <laughs> and the teacher came up, right? The teacher saw what I was doing. <laughs> Therapy, now! Yeah, seriously. The, the, uh, the teacher came up, saw what I was doing, took the piece of paper, folded it up, 
and mailed it to my mother with a post-it note, a post-it note that said, this is what Adam does in class. And my mom opens it. Oh, my God, I want to meet your uh, teacher. You know what my, what does my mom do when she opens it? She laughs. That's hilarious. Goes, it's funny. And I was like, I know, what an uptight teacher. And my wife told me that she did that one time. It was saying that she was coming home late from work. Was a little, uh, she was a little loopy. And she's driving. Uh, and she's, you know, she's kind of a big Adam Sandler fan. She comes from that era of SNL. And... She found herself latching onto some phrase, and I don't think it was anything that Sandler had ever even said, but it was, again, the confluence of two things. It was a phrase that in her head was coming out in Sandler's voice. And so as she, and the phrase I think was like, I think it was like, I could really go for some lemon drops. And so she started saying it out loud to herself in the car, but kind of in her own approximation of Adam Sandler's voice. And at one point, she had to pull the car over because she was afraid she was going to drive into, like, the oncoming lane in fits of laughter. And that's the kind of stuff that's only funny to you and only funny in your head at certain moments. No one else can really appreciate it. But at that moment, it is, in fact, I will do this thing. I'll wake up sometimes, usually in the middle of the night. It's usually right at, like, 3, 4 a.m., and something like that will occur to me, uh, that it's just a, a weird angular kind of phrase or whatever. And I will have to, have to really get myself under control because I realize if I kind of just give into it, if I just indulge, I will actually laugh myself to the point of being fully awake and I'm just going to be totally uh, effed. So I got a feeling that Woot thing is going to be doing that to me tonight. Woot! Woot! Uh, and this is all true. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth... Adam Thompson. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, <laughs> The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Adam Thompson. That's right. You heard the pre-produced imaging, as we call it. I'm Adam Thompson, the Ministry of Truth. Rick, Sarah, listeners, there's some cold realities awaiting Governor Sarah Palin. In Did Alaska. you write that headline yourself? No, I read it off the All right. the uh, tele. Uh, what's it called? Good reading. It's Alaska. The telewire. Is it cold? There? The telewire. What was it called? <laughs> Telepress. No, I, I totally forgot what it's called. Are you being, Are you being intentionally no, obtuse? No. Teletype. All right. Yeah, the teletype. I was having this. This is one of those moments. No offense. This is one of those moments oh, when I sort of offense. No, no, no. I'm just saying. In addition to you, this is one of those moments where I wish Tim was also here, because. Because you and Sarah are, I think you guys are very close in age, aren't you? I mean, yeah, you're, I think so. you're, you're. How old are you, Adam? Uh, in a month, a month from yesterday, I will be 27. All right. So, yeah. Oh my God, he's younger than I am. Yeah. He's 26. Yes. You're 26. 26 and 11 months. You're two years younger than I am. Well, a year and what? Three months. I like that you're still young enough that you're actually adding the months onto the end of it. I four days. I just started I'm doing four and that. A half. <laughs> you know, I just I'm, my head weighs eight pounds. I'm at the age now where you know I he's used to not. 26. Is that what do you think I'm older? Yeah, I thought you were like... You have the bearing of a much older and more sophisticated man. Sorry, you, yeah, I thought you were... Never mind. I'm run down. I'm downtrodden and beaten. We didn't want to put it that way. You look like ass. Well, this job has put about 20 years into my morale. But So you and Sarah are about the same age, and uh, so there are moments on the show where Tim and I are talking about something, and I realize it is from a, it is from a time in which Sarah was not really uh, up and around and cognizant of, of the world, and... So, but I have one of those. Well, you're kind of like one of those. Also, like you're close to Tim's age because you're like, you were like a young old. Like I feel like you've always been older. Like, no, even I, when I think you that's were, probably true. Yeah, I think when you were younger, like you appreciated older things even when they were before your time. That is true. I uh, that is true. I I, I uh, one of my earliest memories actually is of disliking the fact that I was a child. I think <laughs> as soon as you know, and that's a weird thing. You got to get to a certain age where you're sort of where you can grasp the sort of. The, the, the sort of vague concept, the amorphous concept of age, 
But as soon as I was old enough to really grasp what age was and to have some understanding of it, I immediately started wishing I was older. I mean, I never, I've never, i never been one of those guys like, ah, I wish I was older to be young again. And maybe I'll feel differently when I'm like 70. But I, I've never had a problem uh, getting older or wanting to be old. I never, ever, ever no, wanted to be. You're very curmudgeonly. I think you're, you're comfortable being old. Yeah. I, uh, so, but, so Adam and I were talking yesterday, and we were talking about something about pulling news up that you know we get the you know the, the news and pulling news off the the wire and we were talking about the phrase the news wire and I was talking about how it used to there used to be this thing called a teletype and I frankly I don't think a teletype exists anywhere not in this country I mean they probably have it in some you know some weird uh, the, the backwards banana republic they still got it but I mean it's but I hear I mean we've we've sort of moved on but the teletype was it was like this combination of a computer printer and Telegraph? It sounded like a telegraph. Kind of like a telegraph, but it was sort of like, imagine if you will, picture a man. Imagine if you will, like one of those stock tickers, like they always have like an Mm -hmm. Annie, where Warbucks is sitting there like reading it out, you know, down industrial, down 13, and, but it's just spitting out the continuous feed of tape. It's like that, but it was, it was just spitting out a continuous feed of, uh, of, of printer paper with just news updating constantly. And it was like one long roll of paper, and it had perforations. You could tear it off if you needed to, hence the phrase rip and read. But it would just 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it would just sit and spit out news constantly. And so there was always this ass job, and it was it was like the, the morning, it was either the morning show producer or the guy who, usually, the guy who worked the overnights, who had to prepare for the lazy-ass morning show, who... You know, who don't, who love nothing better than to read like somebody else's stuff as though it's their own. Um, And so you would have to, you know, like, and I used to be this guy at like five in the morning. You would go over to the teletype, to the AP wire or whatever. And during the course of the night in that six hours, it would have spat out like, I mean, it would, you know, it'd be like eight inches thick of paper. And you have to sit there and just go through it. And it was just every single uninteresting, tedious, you know, this just in, it's 42 degrees and balmy. And then update, no, 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 now slightly drizzling. And it just every single tiny news update throughout the night, however important or unimportant. And you have to sort through it and figure out what the jackass morning host wants to read. And you've got to put it in the sort of piles for him and the, whatever. And you have to go through all that stuff. The only good thing about that was two things. One is that whenever there was a, like an alert or emergency, and this is actually dramatized on an episode of WKRP in Cincinnati where a tornado hits Cincinnati, there was actually this exciting bell that would ring, and it was it was like a um, it was sort of like a bicycle bell, and it would just go you know ding 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 ding, and you know and it would say urgent bulletin, and then the bulletin was always you know that there'd been like you know some some you know some happening somewhere. That's the first good thing about it. The second good thing, and this is you know it doesn't really have the same magic that it did back in that era. Whenever they would spit out like an actual piece of breaking important news, you could rip it off. Uh, the teletype you could take it home and save it for posterity. Mm. And I actually done it. I have the um, I have the AP wire teletype printout. The very first, you know, and you'll see sort of echoes of this now, like in the Drudge Report, when it's just the bullet point headline, and then it says developing, developing. meaning like he doesn't have anything else. It's just like this just in, you know, and then it's it's it, the slug, you know, just the headline for some important story that he's getting out there and he's working on the actual facts and the, the you know the developing the story broadening it out i have the i have the urgent bulletin announcing that sam kinnison had died Ooh. and i saved that one i also i think i have the one announcing that tupac shakur was dead too anyway. i remember that night tupac I rem- shakur yeah i remember yeah i was at a, a football game in it was a sweet school. 16 party 
Yeah, I, I think it was like yeah, 15. And I remember going to a football game and it was announced like at the game. Really? Yeah. At That's the true. game, my John Lennon's death during oh, yeah, Monday I went Night to Football. A, so I went to a <laughs> Chewbacca score is set. We died after six days. No, it's all like yeah, all the white thugs and Woody Allen were just really bummed out. Really? It was. Oh, yeah. Did they announce Lennon dying during a Monday Night Football? Yeah. Howard Cosell oh, during Monday right. Night Football announced his death. That's right. That's right. We should Dead go. on arrival. That's we, what he said, remember? No. I See, the thing is, I remember... Well, I wasn't even born yet, so there you go with the whole age thing. See, so we'll have to play. We'll have <laughs> to find a year him before play. I was born. So you, ha- you having said it, I think I, I do sort of vaguely remember that he did it, but I don't think I've ever actually heard the audio. Yeah, he goes like, uh, John Lennon sh- uh, shot, taken to New York, uh, what was it, Cedar? New York, New York, York City Hospital. Hospital. Whatever, and then he yeah. goes, dead on arrival. Uh, and that's how John Lennon's death was. Now back to the game. Yeah. See? Here's a weird thing. When you go to, when you go to, um, when you, uh, you know, that's an impression that ought to come back. The Cosell. Howard Cosell, like the definitive Cosell impression. He'd say enough time has passed. Yeah, you know, again, be funny. That needs to come back. Um, but as always, the key to comedy, have him working a drive-through. <laughs> so, but when you go to, um, but when you go to New York City, the weird thing is you stand outside the Dakota, which is where John and Yoko lived. And there's always people standing on the place where he got shot, having their photo taken. Yeah, that's weird. Which I guess, I mean, I can understand it. You want to commemorate the place where John lived, but but they're always standing like right in front of the front steps. Hold on, no, 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 hold on, let me let me move. Okay, all right, and you got it. Yeah. All right, do one more. I think I was blinking. Okay. And how, do you, how many people do you think is a joke? You know, one person's holding the camera and they go, "Okay, shoot me now, shoot me now. I'm right here. I'm in the spot. Shoot me now. Catcher in the right." All right, then. Uh, Double fantasy? Sign it for you. All right, here's uh, Adam Thompson. All right, so like I said, Governor Sarah Palin faces some cold political realities in present-day Alaska. Palin's state budget proposal is due in a month, with plummeting oil prices slashing Alaska's revenues by billions of dollars. Uh, Additionally, some hard feelings linger over her administration's initial decision to ignore subpoenas in the investigation of whether she abused her power in firing the public safety commissioner, who wouldn't oust her ex-brother-in-law from his job as a state trooper. And there's also something here about the, uh, she promised a gas, a natural gas pipeline that uh, is nowhere near being built. And here's what I realized as you were uh, giving us all this Sarah Palin stuff, that all of these things, the sort of, like the trooper gate thing and the subpoena and the whatever, you know, like all the details about the fire and the brother-in-law, like don't you just, don't those feel like really faded to you already? Like my brain has already just... You know what it is? It's like one of those files on your computer that I guess you haven't technically expunged it like entirely because you know you haven't sat there and run like the complete system clean. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's in the recycle bin. It's, it's kind of gone. Well, her, I mean, ro- her romance with America is gonna it's gonna go down in the fling category if you know what I'm saying. I, uh, no staying oh yeah, power. Already gone. It's yeah. gone. Well, she will pop up in all these like she'll be on VH1 every new season of Where Are She'll be in now Playboy in a year. See, I would like I to think know. that she will cash in on that opportunity while it still presents itself. Show us your wits, Sarah Palin. <laughs> Wits? You mean as in comedy? Yeah, show us that you are like funny. The, like if she was on Comedy Central. Somewhere. Yes, not in Larry Flint's yes. Dirty Dirty Magazine. Hey, is anybody bothered actually... I wonder if Sarah Palin will like, go Dirty Magazine route or try and run for president. I wonder if... Is that really the only two... Those are the only two options available to you? You know those are the two options. She's going to get in there before those things start sagging. You mean her approval rating? Her approval. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Zam. Where's the thing? Yes. Z. Uh, you know, I don't. I think I got rid of our Z sounder removed here. I don't think I have it anymore. Yeah, it's not How good. did you get rid of the Z? I think they just. Uh, I think they erased it off the hard drive and they reformatted this, and I just never bothered to put it back on. Um, 
Well, in any event. So I don't know. Maybe she'll run again. Maybe she won't. I, I do know that if, if CNN's coverage is any uh, sort of a benchmark or any bellwether or whatever, a word like that, that, I mean, for the first week or two after the election, they were just hounding her everywhere she went. They were following her every step of the way. They have scaled back on that ever so slightly. I mean, I think they've realized that she still means ratings. But you know, she's got to be real careful. They, they overexpose her. She's not going to be able to uh, get elected to anything. I mean, they can, we, people cannot miss you if you don't go away. And right now, Sarah Palin is running the risk of never, ever, ever going away. So she needs to uh, forcibly remove herself in the vicinity of the press. Yeah, we're going to have to freeze her off the psyche. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I hope she runs again. I really do. Really I mean, with, oh, dude, with everything. But that gives her the possibility of winning something, and I don't want that. Oh, no, I with everything in me. I mean, I would, look, I, right now... We'll make a covenant with our Lord Satan, uh, and I will promise him my soul and the souls of my family if he can guarantee that Sarah Palin runs for president like four, eight years. Right now. I'm saying it on the why? air. Why? Why? Don't you remember how you, stressful it was? You are not allowed to say why Don't since you, you were just here. You were Don't just you a recipient of Sarah Palin's went... grist for like the last four months. Yeah, but you don't remember, like, as magical as you think it is now, don't you remember the past few months, how stressed out we've all been? All I remember is... Do you is, remember her all being this close to being the, like, See, but the you say president? we like it was a collective thing. It wasn't we, it was you. No, you were stressed out, too. We talked about it. I don't... I mean, I was stressed out because the election was just nonstop... Just trying to keep up with it. I mean, it was like staying awake for three months. Well, I guess you really wasn't don't, stressed out at the prospect of winning. You don't have a soul. You're right. Because I always like, I passionately I cared about you know who won the election. Instead, you're just like, oh, whatever's funniest, whatever I can make the funniest sound bites. For well, that's but see, but the, see, that's also a myth. That's actually not what I said either. I guess my thing was my thing was that I won either way. You know, hey, Barack Obama wins. Hey, then guess what? We got the we got Barack Obama. Uh, yeah, and as a you know, as a side note, we and, ir- hope. We, and we irritate my in-laws. And did I tell you that, um, did I tell you this off the air or on the air, maybe both, that my wife talked to a friend of hers who still lives and works in Salt Lake City, and the day after the election, Shades of South Park, she was talking to her friend Michelle in Salt Lake, and several, like more than a few people, called in to work and said they would not come into work. They weren't leaving the house, in fact, because they were so afraid that, you know, Obama had become president, and that was it. Like, America, we were, things were about to go up in flames everywhere, either literally or figuratively. I mean, people actually called in afraid. No, I can't come to work. No, I'm afraid of Obama. No, I probably won't be in tomorrow either. Check with me on Friday. I mean, it was just, it was, so... I mean, right there, I'm already a winner with Barack Obama in the White House. In fact, I wish that more of my dead racist relatives had been alive just so the shock of a black man becoming president had you know, could have killed them all over again. Would have been so deeply satisfying. It still is. I'm still in shock about it. Still, oh, and it's been weeks, oh, and I, it still doesn't feel. Oh, just right. I mean, just just my just my wrinkled ass hideous grandmother. Oh, you know, I mean, and as as satisfying as it was when God killed her slowly and painfully. I would almost give up the satisfaction of just uh, watching her just been sort of lopped off inch by inch just to just to have her still alive just because I know that if you would listen really closely on election night as soon as they said, and Barack Obama, black man, is elected president. If you'd listen really closely, you could have heard like all the vessels in her brain exploding. And that would have been just gratifying in the deepest way. So, no, no, no. So I, I'm all kinds of happy that Barack Obama won. I'm just saying... It would have been fine. It would have been good for me, you know, either way, in sort of a different sense. Because if Sarah Palin wins, then I got I got four years of comedy uh, to look forward to. Because there's nothing funny about 
There's just nothing funny about Barack Obama that I can find. I mean, maybe we'll come up with something. I, I just could got, come up with something. There's nothing about Barack well, Obama. Well, see, there you go. Then America's power time. forward. See, then that is that is sword from the stone uh, from the stone stuff. If you can do that, because you know, even John Stewart was saying he's like, I got nothing. I can't do anything. So, hey, so I'm so that's that was my point. Is that like I I wasn't stressed out about it. Like you were all concerned about like the future and <laughs> I don't know like the impact on generations to come or whatever and i just uh it doesn't matter to me i don't you just care. wanted comic fodder <laughs> seriously i don't even recycle the thing i don't is, i could she, give an ass if she I don't... loses I'd, i want her to run every four years just to lose i want her to run every you year. want her to be I the washington to generals win. of the exactly <laughs> if she if you have a guaranteed loss for her because it's, it's, she's she's definitely fun for you know comedy fodder and yeah. stuff but i do not want her to she win was, man it, it has been like a fun few months now that we're out of it now you know like yeah. You know, things turned out the way they did. Is this the thing where now you can appreciate Sarah Palin now that she's no longer in danger of, of running anything? Back, yes. I can look back on all that stuff and be like, that was hilarious. Yeah. I just... It uh, was. Listen to how much we talked about Sarah Palin for months. That, see, but that's what I'm saying. Don't... That, that is what you... I will say that. Here's the only way you could make me happier. The only thing that would make me happier than Sarah Palin run for president, which, by the way, I don't think will happen. It, it, I In no world do I think that that will take place. In no conceivable reality will Sarah Palin run for president. I mean, I know somebody's talking to her about that right now, and she herself is probably entertaining those visions. But believe you me, uh, in the next uh, three and a half years or whatever, somebody will get her in a room and sit her down and just be like, and just get somebody that has the the sort of clout with her, and we'll just tell her like like you you cannot and will not run for president. It's not going to happen. But by then, in four years, she'll be able to walk little Trig out. He'll be walking. She could hold his hand down on stage and vote for me and my special baby. And like she'll be holding a balloon. She'll she'll be, and she'll have her new cyborg body uh, like attachment. I just but I think so, she's gonna get breast implants. No, somebody they're just I gonna so. somebody in the Republican <laughs> Party because they got such a routing this time. I mean they just. God, they just got beaten into it, just into dust, yeah. and they know that she can't win. That's the thing. She but can't. She can't win. And the Republican Party is many things. Among them, evil. Uh, but the Republican Party is amazingly adaptive. They're shrewd. Yeah. No. They're and the thing is, they unlike the Democrats, the, Dem- the Republicans analyze why they lost and they fix it. They'll and the Democrats never do. Too. Democrats are just idiots. They just walk it. They're like Homer Simpson. They just walk into the door over and over and over again. And eventually somebody comes by and opens it, and then they can get through. The Republicans, though, will analyze why they lost, and they'll come back stronger. And they know that she's just going to be hosed. I mean, so. But uh, my final point on this, though, because we're talking about Sarah Palin like three weeks after the election, <laughs> is the only way you could make me happier is if Sarah Palin ran against Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's... Oh, man, can you imagine? <laughs> I'd kill myself immediately afterward because I know that my life was never going to get any better. That's it. I mean, that'd be the, that would be the greatest moment of my life, bar none, so much so that I would just take my life in the most expedient fashion immediately after the election results. I think Barack should create a... Uh, he's, he should establish a cabinet post for her, like a, you know... Secretary of Doilies, yeah. or uh, like, gosh, there's got to be something for her. I'll let you work on it. Home, homemaker Emeritus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson the meat hunter. radio program. <laughs> Hello, how are you? The Mooser. How's it going, everyone? What's up? How you um, well, hey, you know, I, I kind of consider you the, um, you know, my, my expert on pop culture. To whom are you speaking, sir? Me. Rick Emerson. I was just checking. Adam is no slouch in the cultural pop department. I thought he, I felt well, like hey, he was talking you know, right to I, me. I, I welcome Adam to, to give his, like, two cents. I, this sounds really weird, but I had a dream the other night about a movie idea. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about it. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Okay. You know the, the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil? Yes, sir. Yes. 
and it basically chronicles like what the devil does throughout like the ages of time. Yes. Right. Um, what if somebody made a movie uh, in reference, and as opposed to uh, you know Jesus or you know any other like uh, light religious figure? They made a movie about all of the demons and uh, the 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 uh, dark forces that inhabit people and make them do evil things. You mean, wait, so this is one, like, the devil or many devils? One devil um, is more interesting. Well, what I'm, yeah, okay, I get you on that, but I'm I'm kind of thinking that, um, you know, the, the, the power of God can in, in, inhabit Let me ask you this, yeah, over, right. over the past little while, how many minutes of your life have you spent thinking about this? <laughs> Um, Five years. Well, I had the dream last night, uh-huh. and maybe about eleven o'clock, I was thinking about it for maybe twenty minutes. And so this then... is this is the influence <laughs> of demons throughout history. Yes, that's actually not such a bad idea, and here's why: uh, because you know what has become like just a cottage industry is who who is that chick that wrote um, Wicked? You know what I'm talking about, Sarah? Yes, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know who wrote it. But it's that woman, she wrote that, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz, but it's from the perspective of the Wicked Witch of the West. And then she followed it up with... It's conf- that, that conf- play thing, right? Yeah, well, they made the it into a musical. Play, yeah. but the, and she also wrote Confessions of, of an Ugly Stepsister, and I think there's a third one now. So it is sort of the, you know, where she takes popular fairy tales and tells them from the point of view of the villain. So there is something to be said for that. Um, you know, and that is, you know, there's been territory that is... You know, sort of uh, been mined in the same way. I know that, like, uh, the Anne Rice books have kind of done that, and even Buffy the Vampire Slayer did that a little bit. Um, so there's something to be said for showing, uh, like, Satan throughout history and, uh, you know, his many interactions with humankind. Well, this is what I'm, like, thinking. You know, I watch a lot of History Channel. I know you do too, Rick. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you watch, like, the shows about Nero. You watch the shows about Ivan the Terrible. You watch shows about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hitler or Stalin or anything like that. And then you uh, can go back to maybe a point. I like you make it sound like I'm just at home watching the Serial Killer channel. <laughs> you are. You While wetting your every... bed and torturing squirrels. I'm sorry, you start every month by saying what Serial Killer Month it is. By the Come way, on. Henry Lee Lucas, uh, Serial Killer of the Month uh, for November. All right. So, so yes. basically, okay. like for per my idea, you guys get the thumbs up. All right. Yes. No. I'd say to get to work on that right now. In fact, I'd yeah. quit whatever your job is. Send us a treatment. I, yeah. I don't have a job. That's why I'm sitting at home talking well, then, with then, you. Then you're all set. What a surprise. So, uh, uh, no. Get yeah. I'd, I'd be uh, writing a treatment for that now. A treatment. Yes. Uh, get a sick uh, field book. And I should be taking that. medication or something. Uh, well, that's he's problem. on the way to being a screenwriter. No. One... <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate those comments, which were... Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Right. Thank you, my friend. There you go. Get to work on that. All right. That would probably sell, though. Oh, you make me Hey, Rick, uh, I thought of a good name for a vampire adult movie. It's clean, I think, but keep your finger there. <laughs> See, here, first of all, it's clean, think, but I clean, I think, keep your finger there. Well, I don't know. You're, you're obviously sensitive to, you know... What I say. It's clean, I think, but keep I your mean, finger is. there. <laughs> I, that was dirtier than the title, I'd say. So. Is that the title? <laughs> it was? Keep your finger there. <laughs> I have that tattooed on my left cheek. On the right cheek, don't shred on me. What is your idea? <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Lair. <laughs> That's probably already been done, but I like your moxie. I'll send you a treatment. I'm going right. to Google it. All right, here's uh, Adam Thompson from Ministry of Truth. I got some uh, some Bond news. All right. Oh, is this uh, actual news uh, sound? Mm-hmm. All right. Hold on a second. Let me... Oh, wait. Is this from yesterday? If it's from yesterday, I have the sound no more. 
Okay. Yeah. So you should, uh, yeah, that, that news that the the, actual news, the news that actually comes with sound, that is one day only. Okay, let's do another movie news. Sarah. Yes? Can you give me a little geek watch? All right. Can we, here's your uh, geek watch for Tuesday on the uh, Rick Emerson radio Good. program. High-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Search and Limited, remember, you used to just to Buffy television. the Vampire Lair. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Here's the thing. Oh, there is... It's so there great. Buffy the Vampire Lair. I'd be amazed if there was no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Shit. Yes. Rick used to, yeah, you think that he's Dumpy McGee now. You should, when we first got that geek watch, every time we would look at each other because yeah. it sounded like... Well, I heard it yesterday and I blushed. I was no. like, ooh. <laughs> he said the S word. Here's Adam Thompson with your geek watch. Okay. The eagerly anticipated Star Trek film is set to cast off the geeky associations of the sci-fi genre <laughs> with a handsome cast, vicious fights, and sex scenes. Yeah. The trailer for the new movie was released online on Monday, no doubt fueling the excitement of Trekkies around the world ahead of the film's release next year. The fast-paced, busy trailer includes snippets of the childhoods of Captain James T. Kirk, played by Chris Pine, and Mr. Spock, played by Zachary Quinto, leading an insight uh, into the men they grow up to become. So, uh... Apparently here there's a trailer. I haven't seen the trailer. And the trailer is a Corvette, right? I just, Dumb Louise or something. Or, I, I just and and I'm coming at it from you know I don't know. I mean my own my perspective is different from yours and probably different from like Aaron Durant's because I'm somewhere in the middle where I know you're not you're not like a sci-fi guy at all, right? No, I, you I have don't. no no real taste for sci-fi. Oh, a little bit, but not I'm not a sci-fi guy. And you know Aaron, of course, obviously is you know a huge Trek fan. I mean he's yes. one of uh, he's one of those guys. And I just and for me, you know I'm. As I often say, something above casual, but something less than 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 a Trekkie. So I, you know, and, I, and I'm more of a you know next generation fan out of all the series. I can certainly I can certainly appreciate the fact that there's a market for this, but I just feel like I just feel like it feels like we just saw a Star Trek film. And the thing is, I know we didn't. That's the deal. Like I know I don't remember what the last Star Trek film was or when it came out. Anybody? What was oh, the last Star Trek know. film and when did it? When was it in theaters? I'm gonna. Patrick Stewart had to be involved. Was right? it Insurrection? Yeah, it's probably it. So you're just blind. I just thought. I don't even a, really know. I just thought of a Star Trek adult film name. It's Sex Trek. No, uh, <laughs> Insurrection. Moving on. So I. It just feels like we've been overdosed on Star Trek. And I'll, here's the other thing. The thing that nobody else uh, will say about this is that Star Trek and their attempts to reboot this franchise. Are not helped by the fact that William Shatner won't go away. Because I mean, like he's not in the film. I mean, I you know, oh, I about Kirk. I mean, they they do have Leonard Nimoy, but you know, but Shatner's not in the film. But it's like Shatner is omnipresent, and I don't even know. Look, I don't know anything about the new Star Trek film except what I've sort of read in some of the reviews. I've seen the trailer, which is sort of, you know, kind of left me cold. Didn't do a whole lot for me because it's like the the first moment when that guy, what's his name, Christopher Pine. Yes. When the first time he's on the screen and he says. You know, there's like the guy going, what is your name? And he goes, my name is James Tiberius Kirk. And it's like you just sort of, you just snicker because Shatner has, however cool Kirk might have been, and he is, you know, the coolest of all the Starship captains. Like, like Shatner has just rendered him so ridiculous that even seeing someone else at the age of like 22 playing Kirk, it just seems really ridiculous. And by the way, on the one hand, I hope that it's not Kirk who was in the sex scene in this new Star Trek film. For the concept of a sex scene in this Star Trek film is just retarded anyway. Um, I mean, it's just going to be a whole lot of pasty-faced, sweaty giggling and awkwardness and shifting uncomfortably in the seats. Yeah. Engage. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know that's going to be... I'd really like to... Oh, come on, no. man. 
Canada. That was like a single entendre. <laughs> At least you had to think about it this time. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try to correct it. It's very interesting. That should have that should have legitimized. By the way, anytime you say anything crude that is dumbable, just start saying in space. In space. I think that could be crude, though. <laughs> Engage. Warp speed. And then we went out back and we effed in space. And then have like a little sound afterward. Um, in any event. And try to use the word wormhole a lot, too. So, but, so. I just thought of an, oh, never mind. On the one hand, I know that it's Stop probably. Movies. On the one hand, I know that it's probably not anybody but Kirk that is having a sex scene. But on the other hand, you realize. That that's just ludicrous because you know because they started thinking about how Kirk was like humping it out with a bunch of green-skinned slave girls. Do you, you think know? this movie is it going to have any degree of campers? Is going to be totally serious? No, apparently they're trying to play it. They're trying to play it completely straight because they know the franchise has just become such a joke. But but you also know that the studio, however much clout J.J. Abrams has, you realize that the studio always has more. Because they're trying to play it pretty straight, but I know there's going to be a bunch of those sort of winking references. It's got Leonard Nimoy in it. I mean. Right there. I mean, it's not as bad as having Shatner, but just the presence of Nimoy lets you know that Abrams was not free to totally create his own brand new take on it. I mean, as long as you are tethered to the past, uh, they're never going to be able to, you know, they're never going to get away from the shadow of that thing. So they got to just take everything Trek related and stick it in like some underground cavern and take it off television. And they, what we need to do is we need to raise... We need to be like a, the boy in the plastic bubble or something. We need to raise a generation. You know, they always talk about, like, you know, I pray that I, we will have a generation that has never known racism. We need to have a generation that has never known Star Trek. <laughs> that can happen. We need to have a generation that has been raised, has no idea what the Enterprise is, no idea about the planet Vulcan, nothing. And that is the only way you will be able to reset this movie series and not have it, uh, it just be filled with a bunch of cackling nitwits. So we should take Sarah Palin, paint her green, put her on a ship with James T. Kirk, and ship him off into the cosmos forever. Far away. In space. It doesn't make any sense, but I admire your imagery right there. Ladies and gentlemen, there's your Geek Watch for uh, Tuesday. Let's take a break. Back after this on The Rick Emerson Show. Of war band, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along today. Still to come, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will do the uh, top five sick-oriented songs. Uh, Tim Riley at home recovering. Should be back tomorrow. And in his stead, Adam Thompson. What? What? There it With is. This, uh, the, the six songs. Is there going to be a ooh, ah, 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 involved in this? I don't know. It's part of the mystery. But down with the sickness. It's part of the yeah, part of the it. intrigue. Is that like a walla walla bing bang? Exactly. <laughs> kind of a thing. The chip um, should do that song. Uh, oh, dude. Oh, come I, on, yeah. come on, get down. No, 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 no. Hold on. Before we before we progress any further, you know what I forgot that I uh, you know what I forgot that I have here. Wait, hold on a second. Um, you know, because I'm talking about waking up this morning and I had that uh, coward of the county by the chipmunks going around my head. And by the way, if you're on hold, we'll uh, get your calls here in a few. Richie, are these people I should be... I don't know, these are... 
Are you, are suddenly, you seeing Richie wobble around in his high heels again? suddenly on screen. What? Are you seeing him wobble around in his high heels again? Richie wobbles, but he don't but fall he's down. Trying to, but he's not even working at it. I'm like, if you're wearing them, he's not wear even the trying. shoes. He's just kind of dragging them around. I'm like, that's not going to be good for your act if you're dragging your feet around. Well, now here's the thing. Uh, you remember a long time ago, actually before Queer Eye for the Straight Guy even came on, you remember we did the big kind of gay makeover for me on the show with uh, uh, Rick, who worked with us at the time, a guy, another guy named Rick, mm. who worked with us uh, at another company, and then his friend uh, Joel. And Joel was the guy that actually you and Joel, and this is, like I said, way before, not to be all about the glory of us, but way before Bravo had the Queer Eye show, you and Joel did that thing of taking me shopping and trying to figure out how to, how to help me dress and look not so hideous. We did indeed. Here's the best moment, by the way, that entire it experience. Helps you pick out those glasses that you're wearing. That's right, those glasses. Your watch. This watch. <laughs> Playing uh, black my, these This jewelry. Figuring how, how to find clothes that fit. Uh, this uh, having no facial hair. The best moment of the entire thing, by the way, was Joel taking me to like his the hair salon of choice. And he kind of goes in, and he, you know, he finds like Andre or whoever it is, the guy that does his hair. And Joel, Joel, you know, says, "Hey, uh, Andre, this is my friend uh, Rick." And I sit down in the chair, and very tellingly, Andre knows he doesn't even look at me. Uh, I don't know if he thought that I was like Joel's new special friend, and I was being sort of like uh, shaped into the man of his dreams or whatever. But Andre didn't even look at me. The hair guy looks at Joel, and he kind of goes, he shrugs like a, and what am I doing? And, and Joel does the best thing. He sort of, I mean, it's just because he's like unbelievably like flaming, and sort of flutters his hands at me, and he goes, just, just fix it. You know what I'm talking about. And... Sure enough, he must have, by the way, because cause, uh, the, the hair guy made it that goes like, I know what you're saying. And, you know, they went to work. So uh, like, well, so we'll get uh, some calls here in a moment. Later on, we'll do the top five. Um, it will uh, talk to Nita Parker from TMZ. I want to thank Chris Paddock for this, though, ladies and gentlemen. I can just... Oh, no. Oh, my God, what is this? I almost went to come back uh, uh, from, the, from the break with this. Why is Chris Paddock so good to us? So I'm playing it now right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 12.43 in the p.m. Yeah. (laughs) Now here's the weird thing about this. Holy God. I mean, above and beyond the fact that it's being sung by rodents. Is that this... Doesn't this sound like the Chipmunks covering, like Christina Aguilera yeah, covering drum. Journey? Like the arra- I can't it makes believe I'm com- uncomfortable. I, and I can't believe I'm complaining about this, but the arrangement isn't even faithful. <laughs> this this arrangement so is completely inaccurate. Well, you know, David Seville often went rogue with his arrangements. Doesn't it make you wonder? Here's the thing I think about. Oh. <laughs> Okay, now Smoky listen to this. Room. The smell of fur and cheap perfume. How creepy is that? That is so creepy. They changed smoky room to I crowded room. I need not never hear that again. They changed smoky room to crowded room, and the smell of wine and cheap perfume becomes the smell of fur and cheap perfume. And I think I speak for everybody when I say, <laughs> I smelled it. Uh, and so... Right now, by the way, you know that's becoming some sort of anthem uh, in the furry community. <laughs> also, as I was saying the other day, and this is sort of like the, the most frequently discussed thing in the program, is this like this master list of short documentary subjects that I'm going to put into some anthology documentary in the future. One of those is, I want to know at this point in 2008, who is the real singer on these Chipmunk songs? Like what sad, miserable <sighs> vocalist took that gig? There's a story there. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, who that you know that's a real singer. And, you know, they're not doing it the old-fashioned way. They're doing it electronically now. But, you know, that, that's some poor sop who answered probably a very vague ad in, like, uh, you know, some music magazine. He's reading, like, a, you know, aspiring pathetic vocalist weekly. And it was, you know, vocalist wanted for major label product. Uh, you know, singing established songs with wide distribution as part of well-known band. And he's thinking, Motley yes. Crue is auditioning to replace Vince Neil. Um, you know, and then he shows up and they're like, okay, you're going to be Theodore. You over there, you're going to be Simon. You're going to be Alvin and David Seville. So and all it requires is just singing really slowly, right? No, but see, but you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, all you have to do, and I don't think they did then. They did it with speeding the tape up and down. But now you just go in and, you know, you sing it, and then they put it in the Pro Tools, and then you're done. So I want to know who that is. I mean, I want to see an interview with the person who went in you know, for Richie singing gig. On, you know Richie can get him on the show. And then ended up, they were, like, realized they were a chipmunk. I mean, that's, you know. Wherever they are, I'm sure they're very drunk. Well, it's like on Christmas, we played that Dr. Elmo, you know, the grandma got run over by a reindeer oh, guy. A horribly racist Dr. And, Elmo? Yeah, and he's got, the, he's got the rap version out now, where it's like Elmo trading verses with a rapper. And I was like, you know what? Oh. How... What a sad day that must have been for like MC whoever it was MC MC Kill Me who who was you know and he's, and he's busting out like a oh, rhyme about, about you know about getting caught in a drive by in Oakland or Oaktown and you're just when you listen to this going like Jesus God Almighty why you know I mean I would work at any drive through I would work uh, I would work as a janitor in any rendering plant before I did that so right. you know well, Chris Paddock likes the chipmunks remember I did my knack top five. Couple yes. months back, uh, yeah. he actually—I haven't got it from him yet—but he told me he has uh, the song "Frustrated," which was on my my countdown. Right, I right. think it might even have been number one. It might—I don't remember. I think it was. Uh, and he has the Chipmunks singing "Frustrated" by the Knack. That's odd. Mr. Paddock, send it my way. I Especially because it. it was never—I mean, it wasn't really like a big hit or anything. No, it wasn't. Normally, the Chipmunks—they only go for the cream of the crop, you know. You know how they were. That's—I uh, mean, if uh, for example, let's—if uh, we can also just a little. Um, let's see. Where did the other Chipmunks track go? Let's try this one. I think this is actually. This almost counts as obscure because it's actually a cover of a non-album version of a hit. It's a well-known alternate version. Is it Wu-Tang? The crowd is into it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Listen to them doing, like, the bass line in the background. Oh, I like the harmony. Yeah, isn't that funny? You think it might be women singing? I don't know. Could be. I mean, how would you even know? Okay. The Chipettes. Brittany was hot. She had nice teeth. Brittany liked Alvin, right? Yeah, they... Show us your teeth. They had a kind of on and off. Show us your teeth. So, here's my question. That's a crappy cover of a crappy remix. But who is the target audience for this record in 2008? The kids from Whitney High. I mean, doesn't this seem like this this should have come out about nine years ago? Did this, this is recent? No, this just came out. This is their new re- This is their new release. Uh, caught off the presses. The new release. I don't have it with me. I, I think I deleted this one by mistake. Or maybe my subconscious was acting on my behalf. Um, but also Led Zeppelin's rock and roll gets covered. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's everything you would imagine. 
Behold the glory of the mechanical song license, ladies and gentlemen. For you, you no longer you you don't need anybody's permission to cover anything. You know, with all the equipment we have here, we should start an in-house band of rodent vocalists. Like maybe not chipmunks, but maybe some singing like squirrels or a weasel. We could Weasels. be the singing squirrels since we have squirrels living in the building with us. Ferrets. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, never, rats. let's never do that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Hello. Show. Hello. Hey, hi. Uh, yeah, hi, all. <laughs> Have you ever experienced the Experience Music Project in our, uh, in Seattle? Have you ever journeyed there? It's a peculiar cadence to your speaking style. Oh, um, no. Let's let's stop and have start again. Do you sing the Seattle Seattle start? The experience. Have I have I seen the Experience Music yes. Project in Seattle? Yes, I have. Well, do you think it's marvelous? Uh, well, I don't know, Adam. You've been there, right? No, I haven't been to really? Seattle in like ten years. I just oh. a long sur- time. That surprises me that you haven't been to the EMP though. It's, I would think that would be right up your alley. I would go. I just don't get up to see. Um, I'll say this about the Experience Music Project. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, when I went there, it was really great. But I know that. But it depends because they rotate exhibits through there, and some of the stuff is permanent, but most of it's not. Well, sure. And when I went there, it was, it, it, I was actually really lucky. It was the Beatlemania exhibit, Ooh. not like the cover band Beatle, but like actually like the Beatle exhibit, and it was unbelievable. I mean, stuff that I mean, behold the power of Paul Allen and being a billionaire. Yes. The stuff, and really, and a lot of it was you know testament to Seattle's presence in the music scene. I mean, you know, always. I mean, even even before and after grunge, it was they had some of the most amazing stuff at that Beatlemania exhibit. A lot of it from private collections, and that's okay, always. You have the Jimi Hendrix one now, and it's going to be through ne- next year, I believe, and it's it's extraordinary. They had a hip hop one that I missed, but then they wrote like about every four months. I think they rotate stuff through there. Mm. Yeah, Jimmy's going to be there for a long time because oh, he okay. was. Uh, Born and you know he uh, you know he died here in room twelve thirty three. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. I know from the Boy Scouts next door to you. Okay. I know exactly what she's talking about. Totally. Got she sounded you. so cute at the she end. Did. All Boy right, thank you. Scouts. Nice. There you go. Hey, so what are you? Uh, Cece. All right. Um, Cece. Oh, I love No, but when I said the Beatlemania thing, so there's all of the stuff in private collections, and that's the kind of thing that, it, it, like, you're sort of envious and then like a little bit like angry. When it says you're profit from the private collection of like you know David, St. David or whatever, and it's and it's like this priceless collection of like Beatles stuff that he's just had forever. You know, he had sitting in his basement. Um, the single greatest thing I saw at the Beatlemania exhibit is, and one of those things that kind of bends your brain in half a little bit because you can't quite fathom that you're seeing it. And it was a shot of on on the wall is this huge black and white, this very beautiful blown up photograph of the Beatles playing at. I think even then it was called Seattle Center, but it's, you know, right by the Space Needle. And so it's the Beatles playing on stage at Seattle Center, and it's kind of hilarious, too, because you look out, and there's a huge crowd, and teenage girls everywhere, and they got, the, like, the tiny little amplifiers. And, you know, probably it was one of those shows where probably nobody could hear anything they were doing. They never could. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know. I don't think they ever played a show with good sound, ever. No, ev- not not even at Shea Stadium. No, they 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 were they talked about that later. They they were disappointed. They you know? saw it. No yeah. one can hear us. They were like, why rehearse? Right, know? yeah. Um, and there is I've, supposedly I've never I, I think this is probably an urban legend, but my my friend Todd actually is a Beatles fanatic. He says that there's actually a bootleg tape that has gone around, and I I don't know that I believe this. I kind of want to believe it, but I don't know that I do. He says that there's a bootleg tape going around. I think of one of the Shea Stadium concerts, which is I mean that's like eighty thousand people or something. It's you like couldn't kind of, hear it. Damn. Yeah. yeah, I saw the film of that. You know? Yeah, where you couldn't hear anything at all because the sound system they were using was that like you know, now betting. Pedro, 
Number 32. You don't know the roster of the uh, 1967 Mets? Or... No, I mean, that's, that's all. That's, you know, that little thing that they use to, like, you the know. PA system. Don't forget, it's commemorative bat night. And so that's what they're, like, the Beatles are trying to play through. And, you know, so 80,000 girls are just, like, losing their minds and screaming at the top of their lungs. But there's supposedly this bootleg tape that goes around where, uh, that is some sort of a, like, a, like a, almost like a closed circuit feed of, like, of the, of the band, of John's mic. Where he apparently just screaming profanities at the at the audience. No, I, I've I've read of this. I haven't heard it though. He's like, you know, you stupid bleeding seas, you know. Songs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but but so bleeding seas. I the um, <laughs> that's disgusting. But the Seattle Center uh, uh, thing. If you go to the Experience Music Project, there's this huge photo of the Beatles playing at the Seattle Center, and they're on stage, and you know, it's all very charming and quaint. And you look on the top of one of the amplifiers, and it was the set list that John had sort of hastily scribbled down it's sitting on the amplifier. And then you, your eyes kind of move over and you realize right next to that, mounted just behind a thin piece of glass, is that actual set list. Yeah. And it is John's handwritten set list for that show in Seattle in 1960-whatever it was. And it's got the most amazing detail, the sort of thing that doesn't seem like it should be exceptional, but it is, and it's a coffee cup stain. Oh, and wow. it's on hotel stationery. That's the other thing. It was on that, like, you know... Won't the folks back home be jealous thing where you, like, you write it and it's on the hotel letterhead? So John had clearly just taken a piece of the hotel stationery, written down like, uh, saw her standing there, hold your hand, loves you, Mr. Postman, yeah, yeah, whatever. And written it all down, and then somebody had set a cup of coffee on it, and then, but he didn't have time to write another one or didn't care, and just took it with him. And so when you look at that photo of them playing in front of all these girls, and then you look over, there's the actual set list. I mean, just an inch away from you. It's just, it's just, your brain can't quite comprehend it. They also had a piece of the backstage wall from the Ed Sullivan set that I guess it was a the, it was a thing where all the bands, when you played Ed Sullivan, you'd sign the wall that was just off stage. Yeah. And somebody cut out the section of the wall with the Beatles signatures and wow. you know, it was it was like it was quite literally the graffiti that they scribbled like five minutes before they went on to play Ed Sullivan. I mean it's just you can't you can't quite sort of conceive it. It doesn't quite fit inside your brain. You know, so. uh, speaking of the Beatles, Rick, are you familiar with the band Beatallica? I am. Um, Do you yeah. ever play them? We played. Um, we played them. I think when I first heard them a few years ago, and, and I, you know that I had a college radio show when I discovered them, and I wore them out. The, uh, on that thing, the flavor kind of got uh, kind of got chewed out of that pretty quickly for me. I mean, sort of like once you hear the you know the, the James Hetfield guy going, and when I touch you, I feel happy. I touch you inside. You know, that's when I punch you. And he goes, is that what he says? Yeah, I like. I think you know it does get. It's a little. Gr- it's intense. It's rich. Right, right. But uh, it's if you really, it's funny. I, you know, it's these sorts of observations that have made you the co-host now of Musicology on Sunday nights with Kristen do Bowie. Do people know about that? Well, they do now, because uh, Timmy Ryan has gone on to bigger and better and brighter He's things. He's on the road right now. Uh, so Musicology, Sunday night, 7 to 9, now hosted by Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie, along with James Robinson. So we played uh, the Beatniks, actually. Do you know the Beatniks? B-E-A-T-N-I-X? Nope. All right, we'll play them in a break, actually. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, okay. You are listening to KCMD Portland. Here's Adam Thompson. Okay. Again, for the second day in a row, I have a story. Of great, great import. Party girl, Kelly Osborne. And like I said, I would love to be addressed. If there's ever a, a news article written about me, I want to be called Party Girl, Adam Thompson. Uh, could soon be tying the knot. Ugh. The UK's Daily Mail reports the 23-year-old daughter of rocker Ozzy Osbourne is engaged to 18-year-old model Luke Worrell. Kelly, who has been romantically involved with Luke for only six months, was spotted sporting a ring on her wedding finger back in September. Neither Kelly or Luke admitted to the engagement rumors, but Luke reportedly changed his relationship status on social networking site Facebook to <laughs> engaged on Sunday. Really? Yep. 
Oh, that's just crazy. You know it's for real it's now. Not that cute. Well, first of all, back to our previous conversation about Star Trek. I wonder how many nerds have proposed to their girlfriend, like, would you like to engage? And then he, like, puts the ring on the finger. In space. He's not cute. Okay, I thought that was a chick at first. Yeah. I thought that for a minute, you know who oh I thought that God, was? Oh, my God, he looks like no, Powder no, from no. that movie Powder. <laughs> okay, so you're going that way? You know the way I was going? I thought he looked like, um... He looks like the kid from Malfoy. No, no, no. It's uh, not. Uh, who is uh, what's her name? Wilson from Wilson Phillips. Carney. Oh, oh, what's her I name? Ca- uh, Kendra, Kira, no, no, Kylie. No. Let's just uh, call her the other. You're Wilson. confusing me. There's not, there's Carney. Carney and, and Wendy Wilson. Who is what's her name? Phillips. China. China Phillips. He looks like China Phillips. He does. From Wilson he Phillips. Does look like Picture China him going like, hold on for one more day uh, no, on a beach no. or something. All right. Kelly Osborne is engaged in that guy? To that, yeah. To he's that? Not cute. I mean, she's five years older. Hey, look at him. Cute. He looks like a woman. Yeah. Look at that picture. He looks like Andy Warhol. All right. That's a. Uh, he's 18. Somebody has some weird Macaulay Culkin issues they're working out. That's all I'm going to say. Well, at least he got he a nice like a piece. Of, well, how old is she now? She's 23. Now, has she. And he, so he's five years younger than her? Has she age? grown into her body at all? Because there was a time when there was a lot of I Kelly saw DeLong. pictures of her on the internet maybe a year ago, and she looks like she had plastic surgery. Really? And like, like a gastric bypass or something. Because really? she, she was, I mean, I've all, I always, you know, I always found Kelly Osbourne kind of cute. You're crazy. But she, now seeing, I, I found her, I did think she was cute, but not hot. I mean, there's a difference. I know, you know? I don't know. You can it. be cute without being hot and hot without being pretty. Uh, and I found her kind of cute. She had potential, but I didn't need a lot. Yeah. Mama needed a lot of work. Uh, now, but then again, when I was in England, I saw posters for her because she played, what's her name? She played, uh, speaking of Mama, she played Mama in Chicago. And she looked a lot better. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's only on the posters, but she got to be able to do that on stage. She had to look good in front Kelly of the audience. Kelly Osborne was in Chicago? Kelly Osborne played Mama, the, the, uh, the uh, Queen Latifah role in Chicago. Are you kidding? In me? London. Uh, and I didn't see it. In, I didn't. See, I didn't actually go see it. But the posters were everywhere. God. And they, she was the thing they were selling the show with in London. It was like Ugh. it was Kelly Osbourne is Mama, you know, in Chicago or whatever. Um, and so you know, she had to have slimmed down a little bit. I mean, no, I, I I remember I read somewhere on the internet like just someone's comment saying, "Wow, Kelly Osbourne looks freakish." And then actually there was a rumor she had AIDS. That's why I wanted to go see a picture. I saw a rumor that Kelly had you AIDS. You weren't interested in seeing a photo of her until you thought she had AIDS. Well, I wanted to see her AIDS. I want to see you. You know what I'm saying? No one has ever used that phrase before. But I guess she didn't have the AIDS. But she looked really. She was skinny and like tall and stretched out, elongated. You know that's like. Is that what happens? You the... get really tall. Yeah, that no, no, no. He's got, uh, I think he's got AIDS. AIDS. He's, he's really shot up like a weed. I'm, I think he's. I think he's got the AIDS. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. What goes on in your head, Adam? That doesn't a lot make of things. Sense. AIDS doesn't make you tall. I just said I saw the picture, and she, uh, you know, she always struck me as a short, pudgy little thing. But she was elongated. But she and was so like, you figured she had HIV. No, no, I heard, someone told me, hey, did you hear Kelly Osborne has AIDS? And, I and said, she's tall. I'm going to see a picture of her. And then uh, I went to look for it, and she was like, you know, it was like a red carpet photo, and she was skinny, and she looked taller, and she, she was, like, her face was caved in, like, gaunt and stuff, and she just didn't look like herself. So can we, I want to see, I'm going to look, or maybe. By the way, like this, this does remind me, when we were doing the election uh, party on November 4th or whatever, and there was, there was folks there, you know, and I've, I've lost, you know, a little bit of weight or whatever, and I, there was somebody there who actually did phrase it this way. Somebody said, hey, you look like you got the cancer. Like that was their opening. That's their compliment. Their opening re- remarks to me in the evening. And I kind of went, well, uh, okay, thanks. All right, here's uh, Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. Jeez, well, continuing on. Prince, 
as you know, if you listen to Musicology, I've espoused my love for Prince on many an episode. But Prince is being sued over a cent. I'm guessing the commercial kind. E-Online reports the Purple Rain singer faces a lawsuit from Revelations Perfume and Cosmetics for failing to promote a perfume inspired by his 2006 album, 3121. According to papers filed in the New York State Supreme Court Monday, makers of the perfume uh, that is also named 3121 are suing both Prince and Universal Music Publishing Group for $100,000. Is it now? Is it a perfume or a cologne? Mm. Or is it like a unisex? You know, they're just saying, you know, there's, they're being ambiguous when it comes to Prince. Huh? I wonder if it's, it must be like, that, like the CK1 thing is like a unisex. They're just so. calling it a scent. I can't see. Here's the weird thing about it. It almost has to be a unisex scent uh-huh. because you can't really see Prince making like a cologne for guys, but you can't really see him making a perfume for ladies. Yeah, he treads the line. You can totally see Prince making a set, you know, like a scent for anybody who wants to embody, you know, who wants to, you know, whatever. Do you want to smell like the purple one? <laughs> a scenty mother effort. Um, you scenty the... mother effort. So. Anyway, I I don't really wear I don't wear cologne at all, but I'm telling you right now that's something I would go buy and at least use the tester at Nordstrom. Richie's a he's a Hanukkah present for Richie. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a strong brand with me. So all right, so uh, he's getting sued. You know, Prince is always. But you know, here's the thing: when is the last time Prince was in the news and he wasn't either being sued by somebody or suing somebody? I mean, that's really all he does. He's, he's just a he's, he's litigious. A, yeah, I mean, he is a professional plaintiff now. That's kind of his. Uh, that is his profession full time. God, I can't wait to see what, Prince. I think Prince is going to give us an an interesting future, don't you? He's never going to get boring. No, and you know, but the thing is, he's like Zappa, where even if even if Prince were to die today, and I hope he does not, uh, because he is the Grand Minister of Funk. Breaking news. Just kidding. But if Prince were to die, he's you know he's one of those guys. He's got like fifty thousand records that are probably done, mixed, mastered, sequenced. Oh, yeah. In the can that have never seen the light of day. Have you ever seen? Have you seen the uh, Kevin Smith tell the story I going to Paisley Park? Have. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, was like he, you know, passes some guy and they're doing like a three hundred thousand dollar video shoot. Yeah, and he's like, "What's that?" And they're like, "Ah, oh, it's a video that'll never be released." Uh-huh. He just films him and puts him in the vault. Nobody ever sees him. So I mean, you know, whatever. All right, here's uh, Adam Thompson. I got two words for you, Sarah Dillon. Corpse Watch. All right, here's your uh, Corpse Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I'm digging a Thompson with your corpse watch for Tuesday. This is a doozy. A man who tried to send his late wife's body to their native Ecuador for burial is suing American Airlines in a funeral home, claiming her remains were sent to the wrong country. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, it's wrong to laugh. No, it's not. Miguel Olaya, <laughs> who is 60, says he hired the Deriso Funeral Home in New York City to ship his wife's body to Guayaquil, Ecuador on April 1st. But the coffin wasn't at the airport when he went to meet it. Dude, so it wasn't even like, at, see, I thought it was like, uh, you know, cremains. Or Talk about getting it. stood up by someone who was laying down. He also claims the body was badly decomposed really? because it wasn't properly embalmed, which, if you didn't see it. Uh, Christopher, uh, the lawyer, I'm not even say them, said the airline gave his client conflicting stories. Uh, what possible conflicting stories could there be? Her body's gone. <laughs> it's either there or it's not. Yes, I was just saying, she, casket either arrived or it went elsewhere. Well, the lawyer says first they didn't know where her body was, 
Then they said maybe it was in Miami. Maybe where... it's in a liar. <laughs> where, if you can't find a corpse, if you can't find a corpse, it's probably in Miami. <laughs> maybe it's hanging out with Andrew McCarthy wearing a jaunty pair of sunglasses. In South Beach. Uh, and finally, they said it was in Guatemala, another corpse haven. <laughs> but I mean, so good to be in Miami or Guatemala. No, but see, that's, so first of all, it's the full-on It's the full body. And then my thing is, first of all, that's not like a handbag. I mean, a coffin is pretty... <laughs> That's I mean, even with a lot of air travel, you got to figure there's not too many of those being sent. So how do you mislabel that? It's like, is this the canary cage? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Onto the plane. Also, we're all kind of focusing on the fact that there was some guy waiting at the Ecuador airport, like looking at his watch going, you know, don't you picture some guy at that baggage carousel? And he's watching that pink stripey, uh, like, toiletry bag come around for the fourth time. And going, yeah. Jesus God! Even get get How creepy would that be? Like waiting for your bag and you see a coffin circling. Like, that's my other thing, though. Is it some other airport? There's a guy waiting for his pink striped toiletry bag, and instead, casket comes out. It just keeps going around and around. Seriously, is somebody gonna? Is somebody gonna come pick up this coffin? <laughs> Not even embalmed. Come on. So you know that some, and that is like the the last, the lowest guy in the seniority ladder is the one who had to come take care of that business. So I don't right. even oh, think it says that this guy. Resolved here. Well, no, I mean it's just. If well, you, how do they know that he wasn't properly embalmed if they didn't find the body? Hey, that's a good question. How do they know that? Well, it says here. Uh, yeah, I mean it's the the sentence for the sentence here. The coffin wasn't at the airport when he went to meet it, and then the next sentence is he also claims the body was badly decomposed because it wasn't properly embalmed. Something isn't adding up in this fact pattern. That does not well, make and sense. all the story says is that it went somewhere to Guatemala. Yeah. I like the idea that Guatemala is such a corpse-infested wasteland that you could just drop a casket there and nobody will notice. Calling all corpses, Guatemala City welcomes you. <laughs> Like, it's on the all postcard. Right. Uh, all right, there's your uh, corpse watch. For I'm digging a See, now somebody's answering the question that I didn't... I guess I should have been more specific. Somebody's answering the question that didn't need answered. Um, and, and I already kind of know this. That I, We played that Chipmunks version of the Journeys of Don't Stop Believing. And I said, well, who's singing? And somebody said it was um, um, Ross uh, Bagdasarian. And the thing is, Ross Bagdasarian, was the, he is the creator of an original voice of David Seville and the Chipmunks. Uh, he also did what pop song from the 1950s, Adam Thompson? Uh, novelty song. A novelty song from the 50s? It is uh, the Ross Bagdasarian, who created the Chipmunks, also created and masterminded what novelty song? Is it something I know? Yeah. Oh, you got, you have to, in fact, we referenced it earlier today, actually. Oh, jeez. I actually sung, I, I sang, sung, sang, I sang part of the hook earlier today. We talked about anthrax. Ross Bagdasarian was not an anthrax. Really? He and Scott Ian used to roll together in Queens. Oh, I, I'm sorry, man. Uh, you know, it's, I... Sorry, I had to do that. I was picturing like a chipmunk. And Every fifties novelty song, I just think of like Ron Dante. <laughs> no, it was uh, the Witch Doctor, Ting Tang, oh. Lola Bing Bang. You said, oh, that's right. That oh, is uh, that. So God, yes, so I that was it. like his sort of that was the dry run for the chipmunks. But I guess my thing is like he's been dead. He dead a long time. And so I, like my whole deal is who's because answering because ending up singing one of those chipmunks records is like answering. And this is a thing that neither of you have experience with. But Tim and I talk about this a lot. Answering blind box ads. Or writing to blind box ads, you know, in, in R&R. R&R was, R&R used to be a trade publication for the burgeoning world of radio broadcast. And you would see these ads that just said, top 40 market, 
seeks morning show dynamo, uh, must be good with phones and have a mastery of the music, mm. send TNR, tape and resume, to, you know, and then, you know, and with equal opportunity employer, no calls. Um, and so you would, but you wouldn't know what job you were applying for. And I don't know, I don't know if those still exist or not. You know, you know what? The new copy of the new copy of R and R actually arrived yesterday. I'm gonna go get a copy of R and R during the break, and I'm gonna see if they still exist. But you would just, you, but you would apply for these jobs, and I did dozens and dozens of times. It never got a response back, but you you wouldn't know what station you were applying would to. You know what city? Sometimes they would say the city if it was a huge market. They would say the city because no, no. because basically they don't want the guy who has the gig to know that he's getting fired. Um, that's the deal. So it's like, you know, so I would. Uh, you know, so I would answer something, and it would say like East Coast, um, you know, East Coast urban, you know, powerhouse seeks uh, phone heavy afternoon guy or whatever, or seeks you know guy who can talk sports and hustle calls or something. And it sounds like these really vague requirements for the job that like that you didn't fit, but then you totally fit because they didn't Everyone really ever tell you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so they, they, they would just get like 9,000 uh, you know, tapes from just pathetic DJs like me. Or just, please hire me. <laughs> I hate my life. And no one ever gets a job through those things. And the story that I teased the other day, I told it once a long time ago, and I teased it the other day and never retold it, was that when I worked in Salt Lake City, and this sounds like a radio urban legend, but I was there. I was in the room when it happened that I knew a guy who answered an R&R blind box ad for his own job because they were looking wow. to, they were looking to replace him and he didn't know and they had placed an ad while he was in Salt Lake City and um I will say this it was in Salt Lake City and it was at a station uh, that I don't think exists anymore it was at uh, the station was called at the time it was called KB KBEE and it was like a bright AC it was like a, a lot of like Katrina and the waves and so this 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 guy uh, who did the morning show had seen this blind box ad, and it was like top thirty market seeks you know like hot young morning talent you know to speak to active lifestyle, must you know must work well with callers and be great with promotions and be willing to hustle to make it to the top in this competitive market. Go getters, you no. apply. Oh, exactly. No calls. <laughs> so he said, so he puts together his tape and resume. And just painstakingly labors over it, and just like every letters of reference and everything, sends it off. And he's like that guy in the BC comic strip who tosses the stone tablet into the water and then waits for the answer to come back. So he sends it off. About a week later, I'm sitting there talking to the uh, the uh, the operations manager, who's kind of the PD over several stations. And he and I are sitting there talking about something, and he says, and he's just a f big fat Tweedledee looking bastard. He, you know what he looked like? He looked like Lou Pearlman. Uh, mm -hmm. the sort of, uh, the, the Svengali. of boy bands. Ex exactly. Lou Perlman of Get Naked and Wrestle With Me on the Bed fame. <laughs> he looked like, he looked yeah. just like Lou Perlman. Uh. So this guy, this big, just Java bastard is sitting behind the desk and he goes, Hey! And I hate the stereotype, but he had the big, fat guy voice. Like the big, like he was speaking through layers of blubber. And she's a little like, Hey, where's something funny? And I said, Do I ever? I'm always in the mood for something funny, uh, Bob. And so he... <laughs> Opens his bottom desk drawer, and he takes out this manila envelope, and he tosses it down, and it says, like, you know, add number five, you know, it says to add 555 R&R Magazine, whatever. And then the return address, he's like, that guy's, you know, the morning guy's name. And he goes, dumb bastard applied for his own job. Now I'm definitely firing him. And I mean, so there you go. So kids, beware. All you, uh, all you bright, shiny young lads who are getting into radio because it is a growth industry, beware of the ads ye apply to. Rick, uh, um, I, real quick. Yes. I just I got inspired. Another name for an adult film. 
Do you really think of anything else besides titles? There's something in the air today, but it's just everything Rick says, it just it, it puts one in my head. But this one, you might appreciate. Am I going to have to believe this? No, one? no, no. Does it end with in space? It could. Okay. Salt Lake City. Nothing about that one. Okay. Here's uh, Adam Thompson of the Ministry of Truth. Well, speaking of Lou Perlman, let's do a story from his hometown of Orlando. University of Florida researchers are alerting exterminators and homeowners. Where, Adam? Wait, hold on. The University of where? Florida. God damn it. Uh, Why did I even ask? I knew I didn't have it handy. All right. What were we trying to do there? Nothing. Miami Vice? Do you even listen to this show? I do. Well, you know I'm sleeping a lot. All right. Go ahead. Oh, he doesn't dear. even care, Rick. He doesn't even care that he's Hey, I, I listen to the show wearing a white sport coat with the sleeves rolled up. All right, buddy? Like Don Johnson? Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Uh, University of Florida researchers are alerting exterminators and homeowners to be on the lookout for several new species of cockroaches. Experts said lizard owners are now feeding their pets roaches, which are less smelly and expensive than the normal reptile fare crickets, and some of those insects may escape and thrive in Florida's humid climate. Along with the Madagascar hissing cockroach, I think I just thought of another name for... No. Experts warn that the Turkestan cockroach, lobster roach, and the orange spotted roach could all inadvertently be introduced into the state. i got to tell you right now, I don't even know what it is, but an orange spotted roach and a lobster roach are two things I don't want anywhere near me. I don't want them anywhere near my home, near my possessions. I'm mean, bad enough I got those stupid Indian meal moths that are never going to leave me alone. So, all right. You know, I actually spent the first portion of my life in Florida, in Miami, mm-hmm. actually. Where? North Beach, Miami, which North is in where? Where is in Florida? I'm just gonna let you run up the scoreboard over there a little bit. Um, I'm liking it, and uh, they have the absolute funkiest insects in the world. Yeah, but well, you got those like palmetto things, it's, right? I was gonna say palmetto bugs. We would be are those the thing that they they this big. They can what? walk and they fly. But aren't, wait, aren't those the things that can walk on water? Yes, and they're. They're like walking lily pads. Almost. They're insane. Have you ever seen they're them? They're walking lily they're pads. Giant. They're that insane. So scary. No, they're like Satan's they own insects. Palmetto bugs. Yeah. Palmetto. Okay, just I'm like it sounds. Palmetto. Right. And they would. Um. There were times where I was in my classroom and a palmetto bug would somehow found its way into the. It classroom. would tap at the window. It would be on. Adam, I'm it would be on the wall, like literally the size oh, of the TV here, oh, and it's, it's on the wall like a frisbee. And they don't. They'd, <laughs> Like a frisbee. Yes. That's what makes it horrifying for some reason. It's I was disgusting. I mean, I've seen them, but I wasn't freaked out. I can't see like them at frisbee. scale, though. I'm looking at them. They look like cockroaches. I've seen them literally the size of, like, a canned ham. circumference. Yeah. Like, I am not kidding. And you know what they would do when a palmetto bug was on the wall? They would evacuate the classroom, and the surly janitor, who was, we're talking Miami here. Named Snuffy. He, <laughs> convict. All right. He would come, go into the room and wrestle the palmetto bug out of the room. And he'd be rolling up his sleeves over these huge biceps covered in jailhouse tats. Yeah, it was pretty good. You just leave this to Snuffy. Snuffy used to deal with these when he was inside. But Florida really is the freakiest. I'm never going back. Okay, quick. Okay, so quick check. Uh, so... Strangest insect in any place you have ever lived. That's probably yours, Palmetto. I'd have. I'll try to think of another one, but yeah, Palmetto bug. Sarah, strangest bug any place you've ever lived. You Not lived where in I lived, Spain, but too. um, oh yeah, in Spain, I was from, there were insects everywhere. But I remember going to visit my grandparents in Sun River, and when it was the season with the gypsy moths. Right. Oh yeah. Where you couldn't, uh, where you couldn't even see, like, because they were so thick, and like everywhere you walked, oh, you were crawling. Oh, dude, like, you're giving me chills. On their corpses. The, ah. Okay. And you'd hit them with baseball bats and stuff. Ooh. Oh, it was. Creepy. Those things freak me out. The gypsy moth. You know, you don't. Whatever happened to gypsy moths? You don't they hear they come back like every fifteen years or something, ten or fifteen years. Like cicadas or something. But you know, here's the thing: I don't. You never hear about gypsy moths anymore. And so I wonder if that's 
Like, are they a thing that no longer pose a menace? They steal your jewelry in your sleep. <laughs> That's Adam Thompson who said that, by the way. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Don't want to offend the gypsy crowd out there. They... Well, they'll be gone by the time it's time. <laughs> it's true. Time. They'll be rambling uh, on to the next <laughs> town in a stagecoach or whatever they do. <laughs> the, um, no, gypsy moths. Do you know what I'm talking about there? No. They, gypsy moths are terrifying. I mean, they're one of those, I mean, they're one of those, like, mist type like insects. Like Dean Koontz moths. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Gy- but here's the thing. They are they, so unnerving, and they come in flocks. They come in huge Flock. flocks. They're Swarms. huge. But, but, but the freakiest thing about gypsy moths, if I'm remembering correctly, don't they create like a webbing around trees? Isn't that the deal with gypsy moths? Don't I they? I don't think so. What am I thinking of then? I... The gypsy moths are just everywhere. They come everywhere. Like they were covered. They were on the rooftops. They were on the floors. Like you couldn't drive anywhere without rolling over the corpses. Uh, it was like, like the nothing. End of I ever yeah, my cousin Josh. I remember we were out in the backyard with my sister, and he would just be hitting them with baseball bats as they'd be flying by. See, that's so the idea of, of insects that you have to hit with baseball bats is pretty great. I thought it was gypsy moths that killed trees, though. I think they do something bad to the trees. But I, I was to understand that they do have like a little webbing, almost like a spider webbing. How big are they? Like, well, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen them in person. Probably about like that. Like a tennis ball. I think I've only yeah, ever seen them in the news. Size, maybe a little smaller. Yeah. I mean, I think I just. Oh, they I, are so freaky in person. They're so dirty, and there's so many of them. Like. Ugh. Oh. Like, I, I remember being in the car, like, hearing the crunching rolling over their little bodies. Uh, see, and in, growing up, like, in, in Kennewick, we didn't really have a... You know, we had... We would get, like, the occasional, like, locust infestation. We didn't really have anything like a gypsy moth. All we had was, um... You know, we just had all kinds of weird... I mean, not even really weird, but, I mean, just lots of spiders. You had homeless Vietnam vets who called themselves gypsy moth. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he rolls with the... Uh, and he rolls with the other boys in the 181st. <laughs> That's right. There's gypsy, there's moth, and then there was gypsy moth. Um, but we get the, uh, but we would get like the, all the weird, like wolf spiders and, oh, uh, yeah. and like those, and not those weird, what, see, now I'm making myself itch. What are those, uh, they're not trapdoor spiders, but those, those funnel spiders. Yeah, I'm talking about, and they spin those webs that are like a cylinder. Oh. Have you know. ever seen those? Oh, man, dude, it's terrifying. Because, like, I would be having to, uh, like, I'd be, you know, my mom had a huge garden. We kind of grow all our own vegetables and whatever. And so I'd be out there, like, you know, like, picking stuff in the garden. And you would, you at first wouldn't see them, and it's one of those things that you, your eyes focus on it, and you realize that you've been within about an inch of it for like 30 seconds, mm. and that somehow makes it more terrifying. And they're these, I think they're just called funnel web spiders. And again, they would they sort of create these webs that are like a tunnel, but it'd be like on a leaf. So they basically make like a little web cylinder, and then they crawl down into the far end of it, and they wait there, and then they sort of leap out of it, you know, when something walked by the opening. But you wouldn't even really see it initially, and then you just catch like the little glittering of their evil spider eyes. And you'd look down and you go, ha! Ah! And you pull yourself back. Um, here's the other thing we would have. And I think, to, to my knowledge, I am the only person who was ever freaked out slash terrified by this creature. And if my mom's a big gardener, and she would, uh, it, it, she would grow all these huge, like, tomato bushes. And we'd get those big-ass green tomato worms. You know what I'm talking about? Tomato worms? Anybody? I've seen tomato worms, yeah. But they're, but they're huge, and they've got, like, a horn on them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they've got a big spiky horn. I think I speak for everybody when I say worms shouldn't have horns. That's wrong. That's like some Lovecraft uh, crap that's happening there. I like a horny worm. Come on, Rick. Let me breathe, buddy. Let me breathe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, it's like some weird, that's like some thing that should not be uh, stuff. And they just, and they were just like the weirdest, creepiest, scariest looking things. So that's why that, but that's why the mist is just so. I mean that that is the most primal of fears. Is just like the weird, uh, clicky, scrabbly, insecty thing that the comes out. The ones right that look you. prehistoric are extra creepy too. Those are, in real life, or in the mist. 
No, in real life. All right. Um, I think we're supposed to be talking to a cast about here, so I'm not sure where he's gone to. So let's do a couple more. If he hasn't called, we'll take a break. We'll have Richie get a hold of the break. We'll reset. So uh, here's Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. All righty. Lance Armstrong, seven-time winner of the Tour de France, fears that he could be attacked by spectators when he returns to the race next year. Armstrong, who recently announced his comeback from a three-year retirement, said, There's some aggressive, angry emotions in France. If you believe what you read, my personal safety could be in jeopardy. Cycling is a sport of the open road, and spectators are lining the road. I try to believe that people, even if they don't like me, will let the race unfold. I would like to say... Anti-French sentiment? I'm just Ooh. saying... Well, so now he's won seven times. You don't know about Lance Armstrong. And then he took he's a been year. shoved down our throats for the last decade. Well, I couldn't remember how many, but it was like seven. He, was, like he, seven, was, yeah. he had that shot taken of him holding up the one hand and the two fingers, like the yeah. peace sign and the full hand, like seven. Yeah. Which I do... Here's the thing. I do kind of like it that he's just such a dick about it, though. I mean, I do kind of... I find it sort of appealing. You know, many, you know who no, the only people who are a bigger dick than uh, Lance Armstrong are the people who just read his book and are insisting that you read his book. Right. So no, it's I really. Oh, no, it's inspiring. So many people who are like, you know, if you say something negative, Does the book like, come free with the with the bracelet. No, the bracelet comes free with the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, you know, sometimes if you're having a bad day or something, you say just like, you know, I hate my life or. This right. sucks. You say, General, this sucks. They'll be like, you know what I got for you, buddy? Lance Armstrong wrote a book. You need different friends, Adam. <laughs> Seriously. I need friends, period. Let me tell you about a book called Yes, I Can mm-hmm. by Frank, uh, no, by book, Sammy Davis Jr. His book yeah. was called, like, It's Not the Bike or something. I don't know. But people, I just have probably at least 10 people in my life have heard me complain about something and go, you know, you'll never complain if you read Lance. Is it because book. of the one testicle thing? And, you know, he had cancer, he lost a nut, and he won a bunch of races. Right, right. So that's really what I want to read about. I mean, I'll be gr- and, I, and let's be clear, I don't, be, I don't dislike or begrudge uh, anything to Lance Armstrong. He but has achieved a lot. But that's the thing. It's like he's, I mean, he is legitimately the, yeah. I said, the best probably ever at, at, you know, at something. And, again, I'm not a big sports guy. I mean, cycling. I don't even know. Like, yeah, riding a bike isn't really a sport to me. But I mean, they go up steep hills and stuff, but I still don't care. I mean, again, it's like, you know, like running. If they had to ride, like, tricycles drunk, like Revenge of the Nerds, that would be sweet. Strictly speaking, I don't know that pedaling in one direction for a long time really makes you, like, like an athlete compared to other folks. But, you know, whatever. I'm saying, you know, he's, he's good at it and probably the best ever. And so, you know, and it's you know, he's, look, if you can make yourself rich and famous uh, get to bang hot chicks uh, by riding a bike, God bless you. I mean, that really is what Think makes Think about this. that. That's true. He rode a bike all the way to, uh, to, to Cheryl Crow's Booty Town. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to um, say the T word. But, but I, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, so he's great, but, it, but Lance Armstrong, though, Lance Armstrong is one of those guys, he is like a band that you hate because of their fans. You're yeah, a right. band that That's you exactly might... exactly right. He, you know, we're like Jimmy Buffett, who's a guy who I might actually like if I hadn't had to, like, forcibly be exposed to him by a bunch of, like, ass secretaries. Well, it's just, <laughs> I had a roommate who was, like, a real dude, you know, he's kind of a frat guy, and, and all he listened to, there was only three bands he listened to. He listened to Tool, he listened to Primus, and he listened to Jimmy Buffett. The first and two I, are that's good. random. Will, One of these things is not like the other. And I will never forget the day that he got the box set. Beaches, Bars, Boats, oh, and Babes God. is the name of the box set. And four discs. One about beaches, one about bars, oh, etc. And, man, it was like all... And I, he hated Brian Wilson, and it was his way of punishing me for listening to Brian Wilson what? records. And I would come home, and he would just... And it was like... That unspoken dude roommate were like, whoever gets home first gets to run the stereo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he would beat me home, and we worked at the same place, actually. We worked at the same building. But he'd beat me home, and I get and it would just walk in, and it'd just be some, like, some crap song. Oh, like, man. You know, I'm in the, you know, the banana wind, you know, or whatever. Just some some vague it's Caribbean. It's been a daiquiri day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a daiquiri day. And it was like, don't you feel... Don't, 
Is that a real song? No, I just wrote See? that, baby. No, you, that could be. That don't could you be a feel Jimmy like song. Jimmy Buffett's talent is, you know. Don't you feel like there is, there ought to be some song generator online for Jimmy Buffett hits? That's a good idea. What's where they just take, they just take two Caribbean words. Okay, uh, Sarah, uh, give me, um, yes, give me a drink. Um. Uh, Tequila Sunrise. All right. Tequila Sunrise. Well, see, that's Cypress almost... Hill song. I was going to say, and an Eagles oh. song. That almost doesn't count. Give me a type of alcohol. Whiskey. All right. And then, uh, and then, like, give me a type of clothing. Bermuda shorts. So, see, there you go. So, uh, Bermuda shorts and what'd you say? Whiskey. Whiskey. Bermuda shorts and whiskey. Come on. So, man. you would say, let's see. Wait, hold on. I'll take my Bermuda shorts and my whiskey tall. Right? Oh. Isn't there a tall, oh, yeah. wi- tall whiskey? Isn't that a yeah, thing you can order? Yeah. Tall? Yeah. There you go. Bam. Instant Jimmy Buffett song. And then you just have, a, you have some idiot playing a steel drum in the background. <gasps> you have a little Congo drum thing? But again, Jimmy Buffett writes, it has to be said, really great pop songs. They're really effective. Formulate. I mean, formulate, but I mean, again, you can make a, you make a living singing, singing and living on a beach. God bless you. But it's just like it's Jimmy Buffett fans. Are just the most repellent things. It's, it, you know what it is? It's like an Applebee's version of Deadheads. Mm. Uh, you know, and you just. I told Sarah the story actually. It's the worst thing. And then we got to take a break after this. I, I remember walking. There's a Safeway in my neighborhood, and it was during the summer. And I was walking to, uh, to the store to get something or other. And it's like over the hills and far away, I hear this like Jimmy Buffett song. And it was like, and it sort of sounded all weird and off kilter. And I thought that maybe it was because it was you know like sound waves if they're through the air they sort of distort and yeah. they get all wobbly sounding. And I was like, ah, that's weird. And it, you know, of course, it was Margaritaville. And it, and it sounds kind of all wobbly and sort of, you know, out, out of sorts. And I'm thinking, that's really weird. And then I'm walking, and I go to the Safeway, and I come back, and then I hear another Jimmy Buffett song, same thing. And then I hear all this stage banter. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, what's, what's going on with that? And there was some guy throwing a party on my block, and he had hired a Jimmy Buffett cover band. And so, oh. and I mean, but the thing is, it was so bad. Then it sort of went around the sun and became great again, and I sort of I stood there for I think a song and a half, just listening, sort of letting it wash over me like some sort of horrible acrid, uh, you know, balm, stale daiquiri. Yeah, I mean, just you know, and I mean, the idea that he went out and found, and I and I suspect he didn't have to look too hard. Like I suspect the guy told everybody at work he was putting together like a BBQ for the week. You got to put the pig in the ground, and I will guarantee you, some dick from across the office stuck his head above the cubicle and go. Hey, you want music? My boys and I, we throw down the Jimmy Buffett. Oh. And immediately it's like, you know, done and done. Oh. All right. On that note, kids, we're going to take a break. Back after this, your phone calls. More from Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. Coming up later on, Nina Parker from TMZ. Uh, we'll have uh, today's top five. Top five sick songs. <laughs> and more. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Back after this. Don't go... Anywhere. Who's got a daiquiri? Nibbling on sponge cake, the love of God. Jesus. Watching the sun. I wish a gypsy would steal Jimmy Buffett. You know know what I'm noticing? What I'm noticing right here is how much this sounds like Alan Jackson. Seriously. Are you sure this isn't Alan Jackson? I'm in my sixth string. I have no idea. Yeah, Do we know that this is, in fact, the Jimmy Buffett version? I haven't heard I the Jimmy Buffett version. I think this is the Jimmy Buffett version. Hello, shrimp. Hey, they're beginning to ball. 
sounds Wait, let's look at the Jimmy. comments. I love Jimmy Buffett. Yay. <laughs> I think it's Jimmy Okay. <laughs> Having just talked about how much I hate this song, I actually now don't even know if this is the version I hate. You know another song I hate that kind of reminds me of this is that It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. Oh, yeah. The, that uh, sucks. That Brooks and Dunn. I, I don't know who it is, but it sucks. And it's one of those songs that everyone in the bar sings along with. Totally. In the corner lamenting your existence while no. these people are singing it. That is, but you know what it is? That's that song. It's like that I Hate My Life song we played yesterday. The so sick of the hobos. That is one of those rent-paying songs. No, totally. You no. play one of those songs and you are set for life. I have no check. idea if this is him. I think this might be Jimmy Buffett with Alan Jackson. Because I think... Did, did, you, did you want Steve to call it still or not? Uh, Kastenbaum? Yeah. Uh, at this point, probably not. Okay. Did, didn't they do a song together anyway? Didn't Jimmy Buffett and... I know, I'm not the authority. Wait, hold on. It. You have to turn this off for a second. Because now my whole brain is just turning into this weird, many-faceted crystal of musical uh, confusion. Okay, because isn't Jimmy Buffett on It's Five O'Clock Somewhere? Uh, I don't know. I think It's Five O'Clock Somewhere... Is Kristen Bowie here? Oh, she's hey. she's trying to leave. Hey, really? But she, the car, her car is blocked in by forty right. cars. Well, so. never mind then. Scratch that. But I, Alan Jackson, I believe it's five o'clock somewhere. Is by Alan Jackson. But I further believe that Jimmy Buffett actually appears on that song, which, or maybe I'm just thinking that. Never mind. You know, I'm going to stop thinking. The amount of energy I'm expending on this is so vastly disproportionate to the amount that I actually care. That would be a that would be a festival of suck right there. Uh, My just, God, a festival of suck. Jeez. <laughs> I am Caligula. <laughs> Welcome to my festival of suck. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, um, so that was... Um... Alan Jackson. So is Alan Jackson, not uh, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, but I'm proud of myself that I don't know Jimmy no, Buffett well enough to know that that wasn't him. None of us do. Oh, God. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. That's right. Adam and I, we'd, the mics hadn't even been off like half a second, and Adam and I were talking about something or other, and it degenerated into, I don't know how we got to the subject of Tool. Oh, Fans we, talk, we hate. Oh, no, we were talking, so, so we were talking about this, and this is, we could probably do like a high concept thing on this, but I was oh, thinking yeah. about bands that you hate because of their fans. Uh -huh. And I said that you know, the Grateful Dead are like that, but the Grateful Dead, like if we were to do any sort of a list, the Grateful Dead wouldn't even be on the list because they are so much the reason for the list. Like they're the gold standard. Mm -hmm. You know, they are the definitive example uh, of a band. I mean, I don't really care for their music either, but even if I wanted to, even if I was inclined to like their music, you just can't because because their their followers are just like a pox on all of humanity. I mean they are the stealers of sun. It oh, is just yes. uh, you know. So anyway, but tool fans are like that too. Yeah. And tool fans, you know what tool fans are? It, they're just tools. They're zealots. I mean, that's the thing. It's like they're always like pushing it on you. Yeah, that's the thing. And tool fans, here's the statement most frequently heard out of the mouth of a tool fan. No, 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 dude. You gotta check him out live. It is amazing. You will never see anything like it again. And here's the thing: as soon as you tell me no, you gotta see him live. You know what I'm deciding never to do? See them live. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, that's it's a doesn't it, like, like your exhortations that I have to see them in concert have assured that I will in fact never do that. Um, and th there are three, and they all fall into the same category. There's the there's Tool, there's Primus, and there's Rage Against the Machine. And I don't know That's why, why I like Rage, the but their See, fans are terrible. See, the thing is, I kind of like Rage Against the Machine, too. I mean, they, a little bit of those guys kind of goes a long way with me, though. Oh, Zach De La Roca's. Well, <laughs> See, but, I mean, but they're just, like, obviously just such, such like, smug a-holes. I mean, you know what they I mean? They are the machine at this it's point. It's like they ought to be, 
it's like they, you get the feeling they all kind of have honorary Reed College degrees, like hanging on the wall. Well, no, somewhere. the guitar they just went got... to Harvard Law or something. Really? Yeah. Tom Morello? He has a poli-sci degree from Harvard. Here's the thing I'll say about Tom Morello. Now we're just entering like a whole realm of like really intense... <laughs> Our own festival of suck. Musical wanking here. The one thing I'll give up to Tom Morello is that he is... He's quite, quite legitimately a, a musical pioneer. He's got a he, sound. He created a new style of guitar playing. Definite sound. Which... You know, it's not easy to do. I mean, it's, as Keith Richards said, you know, there's like six strings and like 12 frets. So, you know, that's... And you know, when I tell people why I don't like Rage, it's because I don't like his guitar sound. It sounds like mechanical. Well, see, I that's like a kind classic of, sound. See, you know? but that's kind of why I dig it, though, is because he found... I mean, I, I say speaking for him, but I think he... I think he yeah, you, know, you got to a point where it's like how many kind of self-indulgent, like Malmsteen-esque solos can mm-hmm. you really do? Really. And he sort of found a different, a different way to do that. He found a way to create a solo. And as much as I don't care for you, too, you know, the Edge kind of did the same thing. You know, he found a way to have a unique style and to have breaks in a song without it just being like some jackass who's trying to show you how many, like, notes he can jam into a measure or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's just no call for that. So, anyway, but, but, I, but I put those three bands together and... It, you know, and all of them, they all have these weird fans who are just bent on proselytizing about them constantly. I kind of do it with Primus as I was. And they always stink. I was, trying to, I was trying to convert you to the Primus camp. See, but I, that's I don't know not going to hate Primus, man. I got a long oh, list of you ways don't like I can Primus hate either. I got a long that's list crazy. of reasons. I don't really mm, either. So welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, uh, co host of Musicology. You just happen to be walking by the studio. Kristen Bowie, hello. Hello. Hey, okay, a couple of quick questions. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Who did that? Did Alan Jackson? Hopefully the shit must be good. Country DJ. I know, I know, right? You know, John Paul's listening right now. John, I'm so sorry. Is it the same guys who did Five that? Five o'clock somewhere. It's not Brooks that and Dunn. The coming to your city guys? No, that's big and rich. Uh, I want to say I think Toby both Keith. of them think. Now, see, and I don't think it's Toby I think Keith. it's another Alan Jackson, Jimmy Buffett thing. See, and I it thought it was... Toby Keith. I think it's Alan... J- you realize we have the internet in front of us the whole time, yeah. right? Um, I'm pretty... Anyway, this started as a whole thing about Jimmy Buffett, and then trying to figure out who sang that song, and if, in fact, Alan Jackson was a, you know, was was accompanied on that song by Jimmy Buffett. It might be Alan Jackson, now that I'm thinking right. about it, you're right. I, I think re- it is Alan Jackson, but it was originally the debut album by rock group Slash's Snake Pit. What? Slash well, that's banned at five o'clock somewhere. Well, no, no, no. See, the, see, the the your is that the disambiguation page on Wikipedia? Yeah. Is that where you're saying that? Yeah. No, no, no. The the first solo album from Slash, the album itself was just called "It's Five O'clock Somewhere." All right. It was uh, sung by. Okay. So it's five o'clock somewhere is a song sung by Alan Jackson with Jimmy Buffett and written by Jim Moose Brown and Don Rollins. All right. So there you go. All right. So both of them. I have a mental block when it comes to that song because that's right as I started working at a country radio station and it was number one for like six months straight. Let me tell you guys this because both of you are up and comers in the exciting world of radio. Got that straight. You're in on the ground floor of a growth industry. You will like rings in a tree uh, as you get older. You will. I mean, there will be this Pavlovian connection in your head. Uh, certain songs that were released when you were working certain formats in certain cities. Mm. I mean, you'll hear that with Tim, uh, with myself, Sarah. I know there's a whole lot of alternative songs. Like every time you hear anything about the every Killers, time you hear, like Muse, or yeah. like yeah, or, or for the me, Killers. When you hear Franz Ferdinand, you're going to think about of Leon, anything like that. Oh, waking that up at five o'clock somewhere. Song actually was number one when I very first started in radio. Yeah. So I have a mental block right now as to anything about that song at totally. all. All right. Excellent. All of musicology is here. Now, James is outside the window. He'll get a sign that slash a snake pit. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kristen Bowie. No Thank you. All right, Kristen, Kristen Bowie. I'll see you Sunday, right? Yep. Co host right. of Musicology with Adam Thompson, 7 to 9 on Sundays, along yeah. with uh, James Robinson. All the right. first uh, in the new, uh, the new regime of That's musicology. Right. All right. Um, I don't even know what we were doing here. Oh, so we're going to do, uh, let's uh, go to the Ministry of Truth. We'll have uh, Nina Parker join us from TMZ here in just a skosh, as our A's and friends say. 
And later on, we'll uh, do the top five and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, here once again, Adam Thompson. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oops, I missed it. Is Adam Thompson? Uh, I don't know if this is news, because the headline is, Bush disapproval ratings reach new record. Is this a Bush watch? Ladies Holy and gentlemen, crap it is. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your uh, Bush Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. He's the president in residence. He's got oh, a bitch child. He's got the whole country saying, that's my Bush. Life is hard. That's the price of fame. When you're president, everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that say? It's my Bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's our man. That's my Bush. Adam Thompson with your wow, what happened Christmas to that day. show? What a hidden gem that was. You know, the entire collection's on DVD. Blu-ray? No. Sadly. Okay. What is Blu-ray? Oh, we've already had this discussion. Never mind. Blu-ray is, yeah. Blu-ray is something you don't need to care about because because it's going to be obsolete. So. I actually mm-hmm. borrowed a couple Blu-ray discs the other day from somebody and tried to play them on my DVD player, and I, <laughs> I didn't know. Really? Yeah, and it didn't work. What Showed up it? a big a big fail option. It's, so it's like an old play. crappy DVD player will Blu-ray ones not work on? Yeah, it? it's like an HD. It's like a high-definition DVD. But don't, it, Why? It is, it is Why is that necessary? Because they're trying... like those giant laser disc things? No, sort of. The size of DVDs. Well, no, but I mean, it's, it, it is sort of... Relevance-wise? I was going to say, but it is likely... Here's the thing about HD DVDs and Blu-ray DVDs. Um, they are like satellite radio, a transitional uh, type of delivery system that you don't need to worry about or spend any money on because it's going to be gone in 10 years. So... The, uh, because everything's going to be delivered, you know, because, it, because look, I mean, Netflix is already now sending movies and, in fact, HD movies directly to your TiVo. If you have an HD TiVo, you can get an HD movie sent directly over your broadband onto your TiVo, onto your television instantly, and you don't have to, like, go buy it on a piece of plastic. Do you click, so, I want it. Guys, give me. <laughs> give it to me now. Right. Give me pizza. Here's right. uh, Adam Thompson. We can Let's push uh, watch some bush. As President-elect Obama visits the White House, a new national poll suggests that the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Ave is the most unpopular president in the six decades since presidential approval ratings were first measured. Well done! Yeah, 76%. Rick, 76% of those questioned in a CNN Opinion Research Corporation survey released Monday disapprove of how George W. Bush is handling his job as president. 76%? That's a 24% approval. And, spe- and you know, the other, the weird thing, well, there's several weird things. A, it's odd when you consider the fact that at one point, I think, in the early stages of the Iraq War, he had like an 89% approval rating. I mean, it was just, I mean, which shows you just how mindless and easily led the American public is. I mean, it just rings through the nose. So th- the second thing is, it almost doesn't mean anything, A, because he's done, and B, because... Look, don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's smart or nothing, but I mean, on what are you basing that since, like, there is no news coverage of George Bush anymore? And isn't it like, you know, okay, so he's on the way out. It's what kinda, is he handling? It's kind of like saying if you have a new girlfriend and they ask you, what do you think of the old girlfriend? <laughs> You're like, well, I hate her 76%. Totally. You know? But, it, but, it, but because we've elected Barack Obama, but he's not actually in office, it's like when you've just started banging the new girl, but she uh-huh. hasn't moved in. Yeah. You know, so she's still like the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, it's all fresh, new, and exciting. So, totally, that's it. It's like, no, 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 she's perfect. She could be the one. You're like getting it on all over the place in the, every room of the house. And with Bush, it's just like... It's oh. like, what about that other girl you were going to marry? Oh, that bitch, F her. She's, no, dude, it's all about the new girl. She's 76% lame. But I mean, it, it, but it's just such a completely... Are you speaking about someone specific? No, no, it's just, that's what it made me think Isn't of. I'm like... damn whore of an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the few. Dent my car. 76% sucks. With my coffee table. Um... 
Adam, you want to work it out? But Bush isn't even really even handling anything. So I don't even know what they're basing that on. And my other observation, finally... Who just approves of Bush at this point? I approve of him leaving, so it's all good. I don't even know what color his hair is at this point. And what are the variables on which you're basing that? It just makes no sense at all. When's the last time any of us have even seen him? Here's the other thing that story makes me think about. So you have 76% of people disapprove of Bush. Um, 24% of people think he's going to do a good job. But it's like that survey that came out, I mean, they, they were doing these really, like, every three days leading up to the election, where it's, it's what they call the right track, wrong track. And you've mm-hmm. worked in a little bit of politics. I have. Is it true, Adam Thompson? We've never said this, that you worked, this is not a joke, this, this is not a wacky radio gag, you worked on Arnold Schwarzenegger's gubernatorial campaign. No, you're wrong. Oh, you worked opposed. You were opposed. Okay, in 2006, the midterm election of 2006, Arnold ran for re-election. Right. I worked for his Democratic opponent. Okay, so you worked for the Democratic opponent of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. I was the assistant to his senior advisor. Did you know going anywhere we're going to lose? Like, did you sign up? Oh, You're like, I'd God. like to sign up for a team that's not going to win anything. Rick, you know, working for a political campaign is a lot like being in a cult where you drink a lot of Kool-Aid. Did you believe you deluded yourself into thinking that you would win? That's not how we looked at it at the time. It's I, sweet and sad. Don't get me wrong. The thing is, when you're what you're working for in a campaign like that uh-huh. is getting a job in the governor's office, you know, because that's you're like, you know, really realistically. You kind of, in the internal, you know, campaigns have what's called internal polling, uh-huh. where it's polls that don't go public. They're only for the campaign office. Right. They weren't good. Okay. But we, the lower level people, didn't know about you that. You didn't That's believe it. That's for the brass. Yeah. You know? um, but we didn't think we were going to lose. But what your, your eye on, your, the prize your eyes are on is if he wins, you're going to get a job with the governor. Of California, which right. is a big deal. So you're betting in gambling terms. You're, you're betting on the come, basically. You're thinking, like, look, it's a long shot. But if I hit that number, uh, like I'm, you know, I'm in like Flynn. Yeah, but with Arnold, uh, I used to actually, the guy I worked for who he was probably known to like guys like uh, Desjardins and Kastenbaum. And right. They probably know who my boss was. Um, uh, he, did, he was known for his wacky kind of, I don't want to say underhanded, but he was a creative campaigner. And so I would follow Arnold around and tape him and I basically spied on him. Arnold. You spied on Arnold Schwarzenegger. I did. That is fantastic. Okay, yeah. we got to do a whole show on that at some point, He's and there. we got to have Lisa on the phone when we do it. Do you have the still? Oh no, it was. I'm picturing you like spying him like Chubby Rain style. You know you what mean, I mean? Like hiding in like, bushes and stuff. Like hiding across the street. Look over there. You know. Actually, no. He actually knew who I was, and he'd see me, and he'd go, "It's nice to see my opponent cares about me enough to send his little people." <laughs> it's good to see her. And he's so orange; he's like a walking buffed carrot. Oh, totally. Does no, he he's looks real. He doesn't look like no, he's, he's, he's real. No, he's he's re- he looks or he's so fake tanned. And he's got lifts in his shoes. He's really short. And that's fake hair, too. I'm telling you right that's now. That's like when I met Ron Livingston. Yeah. Like, he looked like a caricature of himself. Ron like Livingston, really? Yeah, because he looked like, you know, he's super hot. But um, when I met him in person, he was so, like, his, his features are so bubbly. Like, his nose is all bubbly. His he is kind is, of like, a cherubic. Uh... Yeah, but you couldn't, I, I, can, I couldn't tell it on the screen. And then when I met him in real life, he had, like, this huge potato head. And then, like, <laughs> he was, like, a tiny body. It was like a potato head, but, like, adorned with a series of smaller potatoes and eggs. Totally. Just, it was like, like a head very, made out of potatoes. Like, very, you know, like, globular everywhere. You would look. It was it was weird how bulbous his his features were. Anyway, but so my but my whole thing is so leading up to the campaign, they were putting out these, you know, what these um they have like fave unfave, which is like you know how favorable is your you know opinion how uh, you know the, the, a candidate how unfavorable and does he care about voters like me? The other one though is is the country on the right track or the wrong track? Mm-hmm. And That's so right, I yeah. mean even now though it's like you see that it's like. Like 88% of people think we're on the, on the wrong track. So, But the news never does what I want. I want the news to find the 12% of people who feel like things are swimmingly. 
Thinking of me, things are going fine. I want to, I mean, really, honestly, I want them to find the 12% of people who think that things, man, it is just morning in America. One. Just right? even one. Yeah, person. but it thinks that things are just They're, going you know splendidly. What? They're going to be the people hanging out with Timmy Ryan at the bar in a few nights, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Timmy Ryan and Shelly started their quest today, didn't they? I know. I actually I had dinner with them last night there. Is that awkward? Did they, get, did they get in a fight? You want to hear something about awkward? Yeah. Do I ever? Hopefully they're out of listening range. Do They're I want to hear something? Of, Don't you know by now, if you are a listener of the show, in addition to now... No, he, uh, remember, he doesn't listen. I'm, but he does occasionally well, because... Are you kidding me? I do listen. Because he knew the thing about, uh, you know, working on the following stories for your edification. But anyone who listens to the show knows what that is. That is true. I, don't, but, I can't listen every day. I sleep at this time. But but you should know that one of the first things we do when we begin the, the, today's program, where, uh, when we're setting the stage, is it's the what we did last night discussion. Oh. And so I can't believe you didn't volunteer that you had... I still don't really know what... All I know about last night is that Sarah went to see some comedy guy. So, I mean, you know, because she was a little under the weather this morning and didn't... Maybe didn't have the... Uh, no, last night was interesting on many, many levels for me. Well, tell, never mind. Many drunken levels? Many... Wound so up sitting next to an ex-boyfriend was, levels? Not, is this a sexual thing? No, no, not a sexual thing. That's such a... Okay, so I'm kind of dating this person who's a comedian, and last night was um, the first night that I saw him perform. Wait, so let's back up, because Richie just walked into the studio and distracted me here. So you are... I went to this roast thing last night for this co this local comic, and I'm dating a guy who is, was one of the roasters, and this was the first time last night that I actually saw him perform. You're dating a comedian? That's smart right there. You're no. dating a funny man. Is he in he fact was funny? funny? He was. I was really nervous. I was really, really nervous because I didn't. I, you know, I did not know. Richie, what are you doing? Marathon is very athletic. I'm sorry. What? Oh, mm. <laughs> it's all coming out. Richie just said he also runs the marathon. He does. Is he? Is he in? Uh, does he no, have a runner's like, body? Yeah, he's all like in shape and stuff. And he wait, hold on. Did you know he was a comedian when you started dating him? Well, he's gonna. That's the first thing he's gonna say. I mean, like that's finding out he gets chicks. Because <laughs> <laughs> that always works. No, and that's why I didn't. That's why I initially wasn't. Interesting. I'm like, oh, a comedian. But you know, we know lots of comedians. We have lots of comedian friends, like Big Jim. Right. Are right. we comedians? I well, I mean, I suppose we're entertainers. But I mean, I'm not a comedian. Like, hey, I just flew in from Philadelphia. Boy, my arms tired. Yeah, wah, no, wah, 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 there was a lot of that last night. But thankfully, he was not one of those people who did that. All right. Well, I sense there's okay. Well, yeah. Well, we, yeah. We can get back to him. I got all of this stuff to do. All right. So. So that was my awkward time. But then, what happened with you? Okay. Yeah. So you got it. You got to tell us about uh, about Timmy and having a dinner with Timmy Ryan and, and Shelley. Okay. It's never easy with these two. Let me. You probably know. Let me do preface. they ever have like a down night? Well, I mean, we no. There wasn't much. There was a little drinking at the end for them. I had to work, so that didn't happen for me. But um, so they invite me to this dinner, right? Where was uh, the dinner? It was at a, a Thai restaurant in Southeast. And um, so I don't know, like, how many people are going to be there or anything. So, I mean, so, you, like, was it just you and the three? Like, just you, you so three? Did it not or? just be, like, a triple date? <laughs> or, like, no. You and I thought it was going to be, um, I thought it was going to be probably just me and them. But, uh, it ended up, I get there, and you got Shelly and Timmy, and then, lo and behold, at the other end of the table, Shelly's ex-husband, Shelly's ex-husband's new girlfriend, and some other dude who must just be a friend or something. Well, first of all, I had no idea. This gets better, because she's way older than him, right? She's seven years old. You know, the really sad thing about it is, is like, this is the last... This is like watching the last Harry Potter uh, film or something. Yep. Like you realize you're wringing the it's last bit of the wrist. So, first of all, I had no idea that she had even been married. So Shelley has been married and divorced already. Yes. But the ex-husband and new girlfriend came to bid her farewell at dinner with Timmy. With Timmy. Where undoubtedly everybody is getting plastered. No, there wasn't drinking. Are you sure? 
Not, uh, isn't drinking. All right, because I'm saying you know, like a Timmy and Shelly in a day without drinking is like a day without, you know, it's like a day without sun. So I, okay, so how did they even, like, how did they, was it one of those weird relationships where they seem strangely well balanced, though? Like, did she introduce him as like, and this is my ex-husband and his new girlfriend? I know, I had heard, like, she still has a relationship with the ex-husband because of, like, they have joint custody of right. pets right. and such. And um, so I had never met him, though. And I don't know if Timmy had. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I got there. I was, like, the last one to get there. Right. So, uh, but I'm just, you know, I see this guy. I heard him describe to me what he looks like, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's Shelly. There's the ex and the current, and that's never Well, and it's good. just so weird, too, because, I mean, there's, that is, that's a special kind of weird when. Okay, what did I miss? It's, uh, we were talking about how, like, so it was, so Adam goes to dinner, and it's Timmy and Shelly, and Shelly's ex-husband, and his new girlfriend. And the, here's the here's the weird thing about that. And again, I mean, look, if, Shelley was married. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And if they get along, great. You know, if they're exes who are truly friends, and that's you know, and I don't mean that in a snarky way. It's yeah. great for them. But the weird thing about that is, th- there are few stranger scenarios than you and your ex and the person who is currently having sex with your ex, <laughs> because. You, let's say if it's like, you know, whatever, let's so like, you know, let's say if it's, a, you know, me, you know, the ex, and then the, the new boyfriend, or whatever, you, you're, because you and the guy are both thinking, and it, maybe it's, and I don't know if women are the same way, but guys, guys are both thinking the same thing, they're both thinking like, I hate this guy. Well, in the, see, but I don't even know that it's that. I think if you are a guy, and you run into your ex with her new man, you and the guy immediately do the, like, the Vulcan mind-melding thing, and you're both going like... But you're you're both, the, you do the look up and down and do the comparative thing. Well, see, but I, that's, that's a, what girls no, do. See, that's what girls do. Guys just sit there and they just sort of dwell on the fact that you both had sex with her. That's the thing. You're totally right. Guys are like, you know what? I know what it's like. I've been so do you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like you have what that's I have. Kind of, okay, that's it's, my... it's, 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 it's a sort of a. Um, it is. It is sort of a. Um, uh, it's sort of like you know I. Uh, I got to Scotland before ye, pal, yeah. and uh, no matter my, what you do, how good you are. I stuck my flag in that moon surface long before you did. I was that the thing. Well, you know, like India just planted a flag on the moon like oh. two weeks ago, which nobody's talking about, even though it's freaking weird. On KCMD Portland. On KCMD Portland. But you know what? India put a flag in the moon. It doesn't matter. We were there first, baby. We uh, we got there. That's our territory. Sloppy seconds, India. We, we marked that as our own. <laughs> That's... It's like, you know, those, that's, you know, those that's, okay, that's uh. kind of one of the problems that I've that I've run into too. All right, so you know how you're not supposed to ask things, but then sometimes you kind of do, and like you're starting to date somebody, and then you ask a question, and you don't really want. So, to So, how answer. many girls have you slept with? Oh, oh god, instant regret. Totally, instant yeah. regret. So yeah. I asked a question that I should not have asked. Oh, I I need to. Have be you very been when with who here. with with the with the comedian? So the, wait, the, 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 comedian, the last night comedian? Yes, the last night comedian. All right, is it last night? that When did you ask the question? Okay, so, yeah, we've been hanging out for a few weeks, and... Uh, You've been hanging out. You're not... Are you boyfriend-girlfriend? No, no, no. We're just, You're just seeing each other. We're, we're dating. Dating a comedian. Okay. Yeah, is it an affair? Is it a torrid affair? Lurid? Slatternly? All right. So sorted? Is it sorted? So Sarah's it's dating... Sorted, sorted, sorted. <laughs> so you're dating a comedian? Yeah. You've been dating him for how long? Um... Because I know probably for like a month. Because here's now, the maybe? thing, and I and I will say that I know a little bit about this because you and I obviously talk about some of this stuff off the air. But first, so we're sort of a, full disclosure above board about this. I know some of I know some of the stuff, but I don't know a lot because Sarah and I we've learned that 
we have to really swear each other to secrecy about certain things. And we really have to be like no fooling around because we have learned that the stuff we know about each other more likely than not, it eventually comes out on the air. Not mm-hmm. and not like you know, not maliciously, like not to betray a confidence. No, it's just the natural. It just works its way into the conversation because we don't like we're not one of those shows where you come on and like, you know, where we set up like a fake conversation about a fake event or you know, like whatever. We don't like construct fake stuff that we have a thing to talk about. So I do know some of this, mm-hmm. but but I don't know a lot of it. And also because um, also because Sarah and I don't typically have a lot of discussions about. Um, intimacy, because mm. we have a warm sibling-like relationship, and it makes me feel oogie. Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> so that being, I mean, can I just, and by the way, can I just say this? There was this conversation that I heard a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, where it's like, you and Aaron were, were drunk, and like, oh, I guess... the wedding? And I guess you, and I guess now it must have been the comedian you were talking about, because Sarah had apparently gotten a little drunk and had discussed a certain <gasps> Wait. physical aspect of the comedian with Aaron... And then Aaron then repeated it. Aaron's like, and then she said that they were like blanking and blanks. Oh and, my God! And no. I mean, and I just said, it's like, not the physical aspect anyone's thinking of. No, and I, but no, it wasn't about that. Elbows? It was no, no, it was, uh, it was about his elbows, his earlobes. <laughs> and I immediately said, w- I'm like, I'm leaving the room. I can't, like, I don't want to. It's like you hearing your, like, it's like you hearing your sister talk about. No, it. no, no I do not want to hear that. That's my that's the thing. It's like if your sister was like, and then he's got no. You don't even know. I mean, it's like I've never. I howled like a dog, and just like I don't, I, I, I don't know. like a dog. Oh my God, that is the worst thing you've ever said. No, it's like you don't. Want to hear your sister talk? Uvula is bulbous, and that's—I mean—that's and that's a little bit of how Sarah and I, uh, you know, yeah. how we are. So I, I typically don't want to hear that. But all right. No, and you know what I want to hear less is somebody that he's had sex with before, who's going to be in the same room as I. Am. Uh, so how did? So okay, so you've been seeing the comedian for a few. So weeks. I've been, so I've been seeing him for a few weeks, and uh, one night we were hanging out, and it was like pretty late in the evening. And we were like watching some Mad Men or whatever. And there's a, the phone, his phone. Now, see, rings. here's the thing: when you say watching some Mad Men or whatever, that's slang. That no, I was gonna say that or the um, We're that listening or to Mad Men. that or what doing the Draper, Draper, that or whatever, that or whatever is the that is your version of uh, when yada, you yada, talk. Yada yada. Exactly. No no no, it's not that. It's not that. When when Sarah talks, when you say or whatever, that is your version of. And one thing led to another. And anyway, the next day, that is totally what it means when you say or whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. We were playing board games and watching Mad Men. Uh-huh. And uh, then 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's like, it's like 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And his phone rings. And I'm like... This is at your place or his place? At his place. All right. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, who's calling? I'm like, is it a, is it a booty call? And uh, just joking. You said jokingly. I know. And I shouldn't have said anything. And he's like, well, he's like, well, I was kind of sleeping with this girl he's like but you know i told her that you know that you and i are seeing each other now so i'm not doing it anymore but he's like but yeah that was did he answer the phone no he didn't answer the phone okay so he didn't now hold on did he a it was, it was a text message i think okay so i was going to ask if he sent it directly to voicemail or if he let it ring no because I, I don't know if it rang or if it, I, I don't know because if it rang and he sent it right to voicemail that's good for you because that's like yeah no he can't silenced be it and i was just like oh who's that and then he's just like oh it's this girl um did he volunteer that he had had relations with her or did you ask I think I know the answer to that one. You asked. I asked, and I shouldn't have this because the... then, because now I know, and now I have to live with it, and now um. So, so anyway, and I asked, and wait, is this? Hold on. So this is a person that he sees a bit because they kind of run in the same circuit. There, so they, there, he's, she's in his extended circle of friends. Yes. How often would you say he sees this ex of his? 
probably well sex 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 so they didn't they didn't date they, they were just date, they, they just humped yeah they just humped it out a few times <laughs> was it a thing where you didn't want to know but you had to know i had to know and now i wish i didn't like i've lived my life under the fact you know now like i'd rather not know like i don't look at people's things i don't look at emails i don't look at cell phones right. you know i don't want because you don't want to have the knowledge it's yeah. like a, what's in the box like you don't want to know what's in the box we were talking about box. you know like leaving someone at your apartment like i i don't mind leaving someone at my apartment because i know that i wouldn't do anything with right. anybody's stuff but you know that again that could be too trusting right right but um so yeah, so I asked. I asked. So you're so you're there uh, on the couch or or wherever, and on the dryer. And the, the phone rings, <laughs> and it's a text from this girl. It's like and at three you, o'clock in the morning. And you say, "Oh, who's that? A booty call? Ha ha." He, he said, "Oh no, that's Susie. that's Lucinda." Lucinda. And you say, "Who's okay. Lucinda?" How does the conversation go? Okay. Wait, I'll be him. We'll role play. Okay. Okay. So ring ring. Here we are. Sarah and I are sitting on the couch Lucinda watching Mad Men ring. or whatever. Yes, ring ring. So uh, we're sitting there. So, Sarah, you're a great gal. At... Oh, hold on a second, Sarah. Let me just, uh, okay. All right. Anyway, what were you saying? Oh, so. My, you look cherubic. Oh, who was who that? It's kind of late. Who, who called you? Um. Oh, wait, you don't know what he said. So no, I, I'll be you. you. Be okay, I'll be Sarah. Let's do Method actor, right. Rick. Method actor. Hold on. So we're going to recreate now. Okay, so you and I are sitting on the sofa watching Mad Men. Boy, uh, Jimmy, you sure are great. That's right for sure. It's Jimmy. I'm so glad we're together. I think I'm having a great evening, and I'm I'm really uh, grateful that nothing has happened to make it awkward. Uh, oh, who's that? Is that? Oh, is that a booty call? Ha ha. Oh no, it's it's nobody. It's just it's just this girl. You know, this girl that you know that I I know. She's a she's a friend of mine. We've been friends for a while. Oh, uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, her name's Lucinda. Um. Yeah. And then at that point, did you just ask? And then I don't, yes, I'm stupid. Did you just say, have you slept with her? I think I had had a couple of beers. Yes, I asked. I asked. And I was just like, oh. Exactly. How did I'm you like, oh, so did you guys, have you guys had sex? And he's Wow. Like, See, not I, even, not even like a how long have you known each other? No. Adam, no. how would you have I asked that right, question without right asking? Right. I've asked. I've been no, in but the see, same No, but situation. hold on. See, you could have asked the question. But she's without... calling at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we all know what that is. But we know what that is. I mean, it's a, uh. I mean, this is a, a bit of a Tuesday morning quarterbacking thing, but how, Adam, how could you have asked, I sound like a therapist, Adam, how could <laughs> you have obtained the sin, same information but at, by asking a different question? Oh. Because um, you could have said, like, have you I know could have said nothing at all. I could have left well enough alone. Well, but that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> did you even hesitate before asking? Or did you go right into, did you, what, did you did have her? And I didn't even want to know. I don't know why I asked. Don't know why I because asked. Because you did want to know. I guess I did. We all want to know. We just don't want to admit we want to know because it makes us slimy. So you could have said, um, uh, you could have said, um, have you known her for a long time? Well, I, he said that. He's like, oh, yeah, we've been friends for oh. a while. How about this? Do you guys, did you say, have you ever danced the Lombada? You could have said, um, you, you could See, have said, there is uh, no other could No, I was going to say, are you just friends? But, of course, he's going to say, yes, we're just friends. But you want to know past, not present tense. Exactly. You so I just kind of, like, went. You could have said, have you dated? Flat out. Did you hit that? You could no, I think I did initially ask if he had dated her. I think Break like, off oh, a piece? Guys... I think I initially asked him, like, oh, did you guys date? And he's like, no, no, no. And then I think that's when I was oh, like... Oh, but you... But then... But I felt... But I was just like, oh, this... I feel like I'm not getting the full story. I'm like, that's funny that his friend that he just silenced is calling at 3 o'clock in the morning and they never dated. Well, like, and you must know... I'm not trying to make him sound weaselly, but you must know that when you said, you know, 
whatever, if you've known him for a long time or whatever, when he said, well, we the never... panic mode was starting to go. But when he said, we never dated, you must know that that was, he was hoping... That was him saying... That yes, that would make the question, question go away. No, that made that made me ask the next question. Or that it would be like, you know, that he's taking the bright, shining object, look over there, you know, uh-huh. throwing it and hoping that you will get off the scent. Um, yeah, and then I just, full, just flat out asked him, <laughs> he's like... What was the phrase you used exactly? I, I, think it's a, I think I just asked, like, well, have you ever slept with her? And, oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have asked. And then he's like, oh, well... Oh, we, uh, we didn't the sleep, you know. And... <laughs> oh, God, don't say that, Adam. Uh, we were awake for most of it. I mean, don't oh, get me wrong, God. I slept for like three days afterwards. Yeah. No, so flash forward to yesterday. And it's that total thing where it's just like, you know... Those those fields have been plowed by this girl. And oh, she, so she was there. So she was there last, last night. night. Oh, that's yeah. Because I had, I had seen her once before, and he had like told me her name, and then like we were we were out at some other I don't know like comedy thing or something. I had heard someone say her name behind me, and I turned. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's the girl. And then um, I saw her. Yeah, last night, and he had like you know. And Did he introduce you to her? No. This is Lucinda. Smart. You know Lucinda or well, of she, her? I I got introduced to her later on in the evening. Um, was he there? Yeah, but he was there. He was actually sitting between us. Oh, my God. Wow. But, they, but they see each other a lot, so I don't think it's awkward for them because they were just like hump buddies. I think they... they, hum, they I should not be saying this. You know what? I'm, doesn't matter to me. I don't well, care. He's a comedian. He should understand that, you know, your life is... This is my He's life. on stage. He's so. on stage. This is our stage. Um, uh, we should note Jimmy Lucinda, not their real names. Jimmy Lucinda. So, um, it, so it wasn't awkward for them, but I mean, do you suppose... But it was totally awkward for me because I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing this girl last night, and she... You're prettier um, than she is. Huh? You're prettier than she is. Well, you don't know what she looks like. No, either. but I'm just saying. I just, I'm trying to I'm doing my part over here. Oh. Well, now, do you but figure... But she was like up on stage at one point, and I spoke to her, and I was like, she slept with Jimmy. Now, I'm do, like, okay, do many you, times. Do you... Many times. Do you, do you know figure... That? Because I asked. Oh, did you because ask follow-up questions? How many times? I asked, and he's... Oh, did you get a motel? And that Bastard. Like, that was like a couple, like a week later too. Did they do it in space? Okay, it was yesterday. I asked yesterday. So wait, we have to stop here. So, <laughs> do you suppose, as of last night, when you were meeting this girl that that he had been with uh, biblically, do you suppose <laughs> she knows that you know? I think she knows that. Do you I suppose know. he texted her later, like, look, okay, it, look, if well, it's, if it's awkward me, with Sarah, I apologize. He uh, she knows. He told, like, after he did tell me that he had told her that that we were, you know, kind of mm. dating. I I wonder if though, if presuming they know each other, you know, and they're friends, I wonder if it was that, and he would have, I'm sure, only done this for the best intentions. I wonder if it was that thing that where he preemptively said. Um, look, you're gonna meet this girl start tomorrow, so don't. I mean, if it if don't seem weird or don't awkward, she knows. Try not to try not to do me while I'm standing there in any form of the act and not perform on me. <laughs> um, oh my god! But I wonder if he preemptively told her to not like a bring it up and b to try act like everything's really normal. Awkward too, because like I had because he had told me about her because she had like booty called him. Um, wow. like on a Saturday or something, and then we went to this this comedy thing on like a Tuesday, and so she was saying like it was all these like comics and stuff, and then I heard you know someone say uh, the name Lucinda, right? And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's you know the same one. So I kind of looked at her, and I'm like, okay, and then yeah, it turns out that 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 was in fact her, and then yeah, and then officially met her last night. All right, then. the end of the evening. So you're the uh, I don't know who the uh, I'm missing one component in this it's comparison. So awkward, and I wish I wouldn't have asked because I was just looking at her. I'm just like. Really? It's like being the new girl who dates Jimmy Kimmel, you know? Yeah. Come to this club with me. There's going to be a comedian. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> 
Wow. Isn't that what a relationship is, essentially? A, bu- a, a series, series of awkward questions. questions you shouldn't have asked. Seriously. I should not have asked. I regret asking, and I regret asking the follow-up questions, because now I know they slept together more than once, and I'm like, and how often was more it? More than ten times? Wait, you like, asked how often? I, no, I asked how many times. And but did he, did the answer? He said, he said you want to know what he said? Yes. A handful of times. Oh, that's Oh, that's good. a completely that's weasel rich. answer. A that means nothing. Of answers my ass, or a handful of times my ass. And so... Uh, well, that's, and as Kevin Smith says in Chasing Amy. I think he was sleeping with her up until, you know, booty call. It sounds <laughs> like it. Yeah, that, uh, like maybe that was the, uh, gonna be the Sunday night thing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, maybe that's the Saturday night special. I, uh, but that is, you know, it's, as Kevin Smith says in Chasing Amy, um, he's talking about, and maybe, maybe that'll be tomorrow's show opener, where he's talking about, where he's dating this girl, Amy. And, um, and, uh, you know, and, and he, he says he's like, oh, it's a stupid guy thing. You don't want to know, but you need to know. And so he, like, presses the girl about her history. We've all seen Chasing Amy, I'm sure. Yeah. And she's, like, reveals that she's been in a threesome, and he's just, like, you know, freaks out. You're, you're a tramp! You know, but he, but he like, keeps kind of probing at it. And, that's, and that is typically, and this actually, you know, ties into something we... Well, but it says something we've said a lot, because it's typically, typically a male. guy thing. Yeah, I do it all the time. Do I mean, you really? I torture myself with it. Every girl I ever date, I I, I, I don't know ask why. questions <gasps> like that. It's just it's a human thing. I'm not I, I'm not gonna ask any more questions because I already am seeing this one person all the time. I don't need to know who else he has humped around town. Right. Because people. you know the next person, it'll be like the guy at the plaid who sells you beer. Because well, he's like a little older <laughs> than me too, and I know he's been around the block a bit because he's lived in Portland for a while. You know, you just if you're single right. in Portland, sexual city, very sexual. And right. if you're single, you know, if you're single in Portland, people get recycled around quite a bit. <laughs> then, um, in the bins, they're in the sex bins. Sex bins. <laughs> sex bins. Yeah, so but well, I already was... have one. I have one. I don't need to know anymore because I yeah I see this one enough. I just like I know. I'm just like wow. Yeah. You guys had lots. Why well, give much. yourself one more like cut that'll not heal for Seriously. a while? Seriously. But it is you know it is a guy typically a guy trait, and we've noted you are very male in some of in some of your behavior. So that I mean it you know I guess it I guess it is is maybe well, to be she expected. Could still be calling him. I mean I don't I don't know. Now like, you are you oh, I shouldn't ask this. Yes you should. Well, I was going to ask now are you me, but Rick. now you're but. Well, I asked earlier if you were boyfriend girlfriend. No. No, I shouldn't even ask. Okay. No, I'm not even gonna ask. I'll take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rescind the no, question. No, I mean, we just we've only been hanging out for like a month. We're still like you know getting to know each other. He's right. very fun. I enjoy spending time with him. But it's but see, but you know, so you know, so Adam does it too, and oh, it's like, oh, and is all it all the time? And it is totally a. I don't know if it's like. I mean, I guess there's different reasons. I mean, I yeah, because he could, hasn't asked me. He never asked me. Like I. Well, yeah, I'm the one who's all like, oh, I do it less. than now that I'm older, when I was like, let's say 18 to 22, oh, dude. I did it way worse. Dude, because you, you're neurotic about dude, it. Dude, you, you have know? no. Well, I, I was going to say you I have do. no idea, but I was, you do have every idea. I mean, it's it's um, uh, I, I can't really discuss it too much. But, you know, I, I, I did this movie, uh, you know, something this bigger than Jesus movie um, a while back. And there's this. But there's oh, all, the one with your the story with your girlfriend. Yeah, there is. And in fact, uh, in a little nod to Kevin Smith, I actually, it's not her real name, but I call her Amy uh, Bigger Than Jesus because that Chasing Amy's, I remember when I saw, I'll just back up to make this all about me for a moment. I remember seeing um, Chasing Amy, which really is an exceptional film if you haven't seen it. It I mean, it's one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, it really is the truest thing Kevin Smith will ever make. But um, I remember Chasing Amy came out in 96, I think. And I was unemployed, though I was working for, you know, some friends and I had our own company, so I wasn't working for, like, the man, you know, so I could, I had kind of a flexible work schedule, which is good, because I went to see Chasing Amy with some friends on a Thursday night. It opened, and I went to see it on Thursday, and I, I was so, like, wrecked by Chasing Amy. I mean, it just, it resonated so... Me too. It does for everybody. I went home Thursday night, didn't come out, Friday, didn't go out. I stayed in my apartment 
for well, with the rest of we however long it is, four and a half, three and I've a half. I've never seen Chasing Amy. I don't know. If oh, I dude, should. it's you. Gotta you see it. No, you got. I'm seriously. Especially since I'm like a no. But here's the thing. It will. It will. No. I, I mean this, and I we make a lot of recommendations. See it on a strong day. Don't it's a funny movie. It's Kevin Smith. Not on a strong day like it's, Requiem for a Dream. Well, there. I'll say this. Kevin Smith's a funny guy, and it's a hilarious movie. It's, I mean, it really is unbelievably funny. But, I mean, it is one of the truest depictions of young sort of tumultuous romance yeah. where you really love each other, but you've got, you know, but you're young and you're working crap through. It's like, like it always says, don't get married before 25. And you know what? That really is a true oh, statement yeah, because you know what? You are still – somebody said something really um, – True to me one time. They said, you know, they said, well, you know, when you are dating somebody, they're not really dating you sometimes. They are dating everybody they dated before you, and they're trying to fix all that stuff through you yeah. as like the proxy. Yep. And sometimes they're trying to fix like their dad through you. And so we'll take a break here in a second. We'll undoubtedly come back and discuss this further. But I will say, Chasing Amy is unbelievably hilarious. I mean, it's one of the funniest movies ever made. But there are sequences that are. Just heartbreaking, they aren't they? They hurt. I mean, it the hurts, ending, you know. and it's painful to watch because it's, I'm getting chills, because it's so real. And there is, um, and I, I won't say anything else about it because I want to spoil it, but but there's a sequence where they really kind of lay it all out. Like yep. Ben Affleck and Joey Lord Adams, they really just like, they have like things have built up and it just reaches a flashpoint where like S has got to get worked out. And I saw that movie, and I went home, and I did not leave my apartment until Monday morning. I stayed at home with the door shut and the phone off for like three and a half days because I was just wrecked by that. And so there is a sequence in, in Bigger Than Jesus that it, it's true to life. In other words, it is sort of a thing that, that I really did. It had, came from my own life, but I was inspired to put it in after talking with Joni, because Chasing Amy sort of made it okay. Chasing Amy kind of showed that you could do that, and Joni really pushed me to put it in. Yeah. Where I used to, I was such a dick. I mean, I used to, I'll tell this one story, then we'll break. Um, uh, and we'll come back, we got phone calls and everything. Um, but I used to go home, I would be dating some girl who was way too good for me, yeah, innocent, yeah. nice, wonderful, deserved so much better than me, and usually ended up doing much better than me. Mm -hmm. And I would go home and I would wait on her front porch Oh, I remember this from Bigger Than Jesus. And that was such an awkward story. Waiting to accuse her of something untoward, even when she'd been not doing something totally innocent. So I would wait on the front porch for, like, and it's like that, that energy and focus that you only get from, like, anger, like this black hatred. Yeah. And when you, when you are really angry and just driven by, like, just hating everything and just being full of all this bitterness, like, you can stand outside in a snowstorm for, for a week. Mm -hmm. And I would stand on the front porch, like, three hours. It sounds, it's psychotic. And I'd sit there, and I would just, you know... <sighs> And she'd get home, and it's like she wouldn't be on the front porch five seconds. And I'd be like, "Where were you?" And she's like, "I was out with some people from work." I'm like, "People from work? What is that?" You know. And and she and of course, I, and I would make her list everybody there until she hit a guy's name, Paul. Who's Paul? You know. And then I and I would just pick at it and pick at it and pick at it until we were screaming, and she was like crying, and that's it was like, just that's like me because I'm not angry about it, but like at the same time, it's like I can tell that he's kind of dancing around it yeah. now too, and I don't want it to be a thing because it's not a thing because oh. everyone has their past. And, but you but you make it a thing, right? I know, but I, I totally not just you, but I mean uh, people like us. Yeah, and like because we make it a thing, and then like yeah. he's like he's trying to deal with it because I made it awkward by making him admit right. to something that he didn't really totally. want to admit, and to. something that is. I mean, really, no, no. If it's not your concern it's or your my, business, it's, it's not, not your not business. It's not my business. It is. But not it's my like business. you just got to jab it until it bleeds, you know. And I don't so. know why, because I am not any happier now knowing. Uh -huh. Are you ever? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is it doesn't. Yeah, I never. At the end it's of like the to know or rather not know, you know, so, both, both ways. 
It sucks. You know, and I would do this the horrible guy thing if I would fight until the point where she would start crying, you know. And, and then not, you're like, success. And then I'm like, job done, you know, because I was just like a bastard and an a-hole. But, of course, then I never felt any better, right? Then it's like you just and – then, and then, of course, it sinks in. You're like, oh, God, I'm such a – and then I would go home and just seethe about what a jackass I was. Mm-hmm. You know, but of course, not be man enough to apologize that night ever, because you know that would be, you know, that was, you know, that was way, way better a person than I was. So, all right. Anyway, on that downer note, we're gonna take a break. Shh, human beings. So here's some humans being commercials from uh, some of our many fine sponsors. We'll come back and undoubtedly continue this discussion. Adam Thompson, Sarah Dillon, uh, your phone calls, all of that on the way. Like us at three. Michael Mara show at seven. Stay there's the Rick Emerson show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, like us at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson uh, Radio Show. How can I help ye? On, on KCMD Portland. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, first off, for Sarah. Yes, sir. Every, everybody wants to know and doesn't want to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely about the chasing Amy, um, without you know giving away the farm. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Please, she hasn't seen it, so I'd like I'd like her to see and it unspoiled. If you want to watch it, that is. Yeah, no, I do yeah, want to. So you definitely have to. And Joey Lauren Adams brings up the great point exactly what she said about everybody having a history. Yeah. And I think you know you're a confident woman, and be honest with yourself on how you feel, and be honest with him, and you know it, obviously if it. If it bothers you, then he's worth being with. So you know you. Just well, that's true. You probably wouldn't care if you didn't care. Yeah, if, that if makes you sense. didn't care, you know, then then you can be the person in his life that's going to make that stop, and uh, you know, and the the uh, memories that you'll create with him will be. I'd uh, like to thank you for making a. The rest of the, you know what he's been doing with her. And so. I'd like to thank you for making a non-dicky point. Well done, sir. You're charging by the hour. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, dude. Well, you didn't even. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't, you know, you missed the awkward moment the other day uh, during the break. And maybe it wasn't awkward. Sarah didn't find it nearly as awkward as I did. When you were, like, offering to give me your shrink's number because my shrink has kind of been out of town. Oh, and my shrink is awesome. See, and my shrink's got a little flaky on me. I'll he, take that number. No, and my shrink also specializes in people that, like, uh, like work in the media. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's pretty cool, yeah, because she she does people who work in, like, media or, like, like PR, advertising, that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, high-stress, you know, crazy non-conventional here's the thing and I, and I dig my shrink a lot he's a cool guy he really is and i kind of feel bad saying this because he's a cool guy i shouldn't even say this fine <laughs> fine i'll say it i'll say it that is the by the way how many times has that phrase happened on the show the i don't want to a so final talk you about start it. a sentence you can't yeah you, and you, you, you well and sarah you and i know this and i was talking to adam who is uh you know in the world of talk radio perhaps taking his you know his not his first steps but initial steps and in, my feet a little as wetter. a talk host yeah but you know, um, yes, you know, and we're not the first. But you know, Howard has talked about this for years. But Sarah and I learned a long time ago that, like, if if you don't, if you are resisting saying something or don't want to talk about it, that's always the thing you should probably say. Exactly. But why this? Which is, yeah, I, I didn't want to talk about the, you know, the whole comedian uh, thing. But I'm like, well, what can you do? At the risk of just like adding too much insanity to the nutty pile. Um, so 
But the whole reason it came up, and I wasn't, and I didn't talk, kind of even tell you the whole story. So we were just talking about Sarah and her kind of new quasi guy, and you don't want to know who they've been with, but then you always have to know, and you ask, and then you hate yourself, and then it's like anguish and whatever. Yes. And and Adam had made the point. You said that people never change. You just do it until they, until they die. Yeah. And I and I will say, and I will say for me, that's not true actually. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that I really. Well, because but you're happily married now. And, but it was but it was before that though. I mean, it was even before that. Um, it had nothing to do, I mean... You don't know what it's like for a single folk anymore. No, but see, here's the thing. I don't want to say it had nothing to do with Laura. That makes it sound like she's not made me a better person. She has. So, but, but even, but even before that, I, uh, but I was just such a bastard and just such a jerk. And I mean, and not in the cool, like, you know, like Vince Vaughn swingers, get, get yourself lots of good. I mean, I was just like a bad, bad, bad person. And I mean, I was, I was an awful person. Not in like a comedically, like an amusing sort of, oh, he's no. such a rake. I mean, I was just a, just a, an, an ass. And, um, but, and, and I, you know, and I just always like that thing, you know, I, there's this other girl where, and she told me, in fact, she was like, hey, so uh, some of the girls from work and I, there's going to be this thing. It's kind of dumb. You know, it's silly, but it's like, uh, this is a girl, she's, it's her birthday, and so we're going to go to like the, the male, like a strip review, and, you know, it's dumb, but, uh, you know, do you mind? And what do I say? Like, yes, it makes me feel insecure because I'm a child uh, in a man's body. Mm-hmm. No, I say, no, that's fine. You go. And in my head, I'm like, oh, you are such a whore. <laughs> and so she goes to this male strip club thing. And it's like, I know the deal. It's not like, you know, it's not like she's there, like, getting it on with a bunch of dudes or whatever. But, I mean, you know, whatever. It is still not, but I, I told her to go. So, of course, she goes. And it's like you tell these stories back and you just sound so mental, like even more so than I did at the time. But, of course, what do I do? Do I go to her apartment and wait? No, no, no. I actually go to the venue where the male strip show is happening, and I wait on the steps outside oh, for her. Lord. So she gets the added bonus of coming out with her friends, so her friends can see the immature little boy that she is dating. And I'm on the front steps like, so how was that, hussy, or whatever, you this know? This was last week. Right? Yeah, and I'm kind of making it even sound funnier than it was. And, of course, it was not funny. It was just pathetic. Oh, man. Pathetic for me and embarrassing for her. But, um, but I just, you know, I had so many... Terrible, not terrible relationships. I had so many relationships that, and this is no disrespect to, to my wife, who, who I, you know, I, I just, yeah, absolutely love. But, but I mean, look, you know, everybody knows you, you know, you got to pass. I had so many relationships that were great or could have been great. You know, people that you look back and you go, you know, that might have been something. And again, I don't mean that to disrespect my wife. She, she and I have had these conversations. She and she's heard me tell these stories on the air. So she, mm. whatever. Uh, and she's in Peru. But <laughs> you know, but where you look back and you go, like, hey, that's you know, well, she and same thing. You know, she's told me, you know, she had a relationship that went bad, and you know, she she does, you know, she thinks like, well, you know, in an alternate world, that might have been, you know, the thing. You, know, there, you always wonder about yeah, a few of them. The thing that could have been the one. And you know, but I had so many relationships that sh- were and, and and where you look back and you go like, God, they deserve to be treated like not you know that way by somebody mm-hmm. other than me. And I think I just had so many awful <coughs> breakups that were totally my fault. And I I just reached a point, and it really is amazing actually. It was just it wasn't a gradual change. It wasn't anything. It really, it was just a switch flipping in my head. There was just a moment that just in my head it was like from. From one to zero, whatever the binary switch is, there was just a switch that flipped, and I just and I just lost instantly, almost just all of that jealousy stuff. And I just how and, do you find this switch, Rick? But see, but that's the thing is, I don't. It wasn't a gradual transformation. It just really, it was just like a bolt. It was like Saul being blinded on the road to Damascus for you oh, biblical fans, damn. where I I had this terrible bust up with this girl, who again I treated badly. And this is the girl I waited for outside the strip club, and I was just a jerk, and. And I just and and it was such a horrible breakup. Here's how. Here's what a big jerk I am. 
just, uh, you know, uh, I actually let her move uh, to another state with me, knowing that I was probably going to break up with her. Oh, you're a dick. Yes, I am. So, you know, she moved, yeah, baby, I want you to come with me. No. And, of course, was I a man? Did I say, like, you know, this is probably a good time to assess where we are because I just don't think I'm ready to be. We don't know uh, anybody who would do something like that. No, no, oh, we don't. no way. <laughs> and so, yeah, I let her move. And then literally she was there like four weeks. And I'm like, ah, it's not working out. I, uh, oh, man. I'd like you to leave. And, you know, that's what a jerk I am. And it was just so awful that I just I think I had to just have some, you know, extreme makeover inside my head. And so but but, but from that moment on, it was weird. It was like in this Douglas Copeland book, Girlfriend in a Coma. Mm hmm. It's sort of this kind of magical. It's like this magical realism kind of book. I love that's that's my favorite book in the entire world. And there's this great, beautiful sequence where there's these two characters who are strung out, and they have this one wish where they want to be free of addiction. They're they're strung out and they want to be free. And Pam and oh, I can't remember the guy's name. And there's like a character that basically kind of waves the wand, and nothing happens except that they kind of have this. They kind of like. Uh, they kind of you know, flutter their eyes a little bit, and then they look down, and without even saying anything, they said just somehow they know that they're, like, free of the addiction. That they're clean. Yeah, he said they, they, nothing happens. He just sort of waves his hand, and suddenly they can just tell that they're free of it. And in a weird way, that is where I just, it was just, like, all that weird jealousy crap was just gone. It was just gone one day. And I don't know how or why. I'm just glad. You're so lucky. It's just, you know, I, I have no, really, and I, I absolutely know that. Because was it before it was just, you met your dude, wife? Or? It was before, yeah, it yeah. was before. But it was just because it was just, like, destroying That's what everybody like, around just, me. Yeah, I'm just trying to, like, not think about it. Somebody just sent me the, the weirdest email. Okay, it's so funny you guys are talking about this um, this boyfriend's, girlfriend's, past partners. Just this weekend, I found out the girl I am with and planning on marrying and own a house and a dog with has slept with one of my good friends. Uh, not only did she sleep with him, but, of course, I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> According to her, she slept with him two to three times, which really means eight or right, nine. Yeah, right, sure. And, of course, she slept with him right about the time her and I started dating. I really don't care, and it'll never go away since I asked. Damn right. it. See, that's the thing. Don't want to. too, because I know that this girl will always be there. And plus, she's, like, humped every single one of the comedians, yeah. too. Like, at the thing last night, everyone was, you know, like, poking jokes at, uh, you know, how she basically is, right. you know, the town bicycle. And I'm like, oh, this is... This is awesome. I, the greatest thing ever. So I, you know, and I know it's cold comfort that like Adam is telling. I mean, we didn't ask, you know, you. I mean, but you've said that, you know, but this email actually says, Rick, God says, what the hell was the matter with you? God damn, no wonder you always told Timmy Ryan he reminds you of how you used to be, oh, which is true. That you know, is, yeah. oh my God, I, and Timmy I always Ryan tell, I always tell Timmy, and really, and I'm, I was always serious about it, that Timmy reminded me of me at a certain age. Um, so, and I am really, I am, I do recognize the fact that I'm lucky that it just, it just, like, went away, you know, that I did, you know, because, they, again, that was really just... It doesn't bother me as much as, like, these kind of things used to. I yeah, used to yeah. be obsessive right. about that kind of oh, stuff, yeah. especially since I've dated some, you know, promiscuous men in the past who... No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Can you believe it? And, no. well, and all that stuff, like it says about, like, if you get married at 21, like, you will regret it. Mm -hmm. And not because it's not, not because they're not great, you know, not a great person. They probably are. It's just that you are not mature enough to handle it. You're just not. And, you know, and I was like, you know, I was like you in some ways. I was always looking for what's going to go wrong. And so... That's what I'm doing, too. That's what I constantly do. Like, I try to do anything that I can to try and sabotage the situation so right. that I can never be happy. Right. Well, and so that at least... And, I and, wonder why I see a therapist. And, well, and so... I, I and, want your therapist. And yeah. if you sabotage it yourself, at least you had control over the failure That's of That's exactly... That is that is the stage that right. I am in right now. Right. Because as, soon, as long as I'm the one screwing it up, then at least yeah. I'm in control. So it might be a big bowl of fail, but it's mine, mm -hmm. and I own it, and I caused it. It's like pulling the Band-Aid off yourself as opposed to, like, waiting because you know someone else is going to pull the Band-Aid well, off. See, and just like pulling off that little edge of the band-aid because so now that I know that he wasn't very particular with this certain person, you know, like 
Who else is here? Comes the slippery <laughs> slide. Here starts. it comes, and so it begins. You know, you know and, there go the questions. And here's the thing, and it's got to be. I will not ask. Yeah, right. You know, and it's and each side of the equation has got their weirdness. It's got to be, you know, for women, it's got to be especially weird because guys, you know, all that stuff that comedians, you know, the, oddly enough, comedians make so much of their living off of. You know, the difference between, you know, men, women like to shop, men like football. But, you know, men, all of that stuff they say where, like, at their core, like all men, and a lot of women, but all men are just like one or two sort of long, you know, uh, you know, tedious nights away from, like, calling up, like, the very last name in the book. Seriously. Well, because I Remember asked Remember me? Him, You're right, man. I was like, so, and then, you know, of course, after I, I was asking the follow-up questions, like, oh, was it just one time? And he's just like, oh, a handful of times. Doggy ride. And then I asked him, um, oh, gosh. I'm, you know, can I just tell you that I, this, uh, the, the girl that that Amy character in Peter and Jesus most closely based on, um, the... Sh- and we and see another thing where it's like I had no right to bitch because we uh, were. No, this was before like I was even hanging out with him. It doesn't matter. And this is the thing. It's a time when we were apart. We had. Uh, it's like what he was supposed to be like celibate. Like totally. That's when a, I met him? We had taken some time. Yes. <laughs> we had taken some time away from each other. Oh, and, one of those. I did one of those. You know, one of those things, which is you know, and we both agreed. Like it wasn't like grudgingly. Like we both okay. Like this is this is the, how it's going to happen for a while. Whatever. We're back together, and and she. You know, and of course she revealed it. I think there was some guy that was like, hey, you know, like we passed him in the street and he's like, hey, Amy. And I'm like, what's up with that guy? She's like, oh, that's Trevor. And same thing. And I poked and poked and poked until she revealed that she. And, and then, of course, I. So, so there's the worst thing. So she, so she reveals that she slept with this guy, which again, totally within the rules. You know, that was fine. Um, and so I'm picking the fight and picking the fight. And I'm just like, and I'm going mental and being like my jerk self. And, and you know me, it's like I make my living with words. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's kind of a thing I'm pretty good at, for good and for bad. And, you know, and I'm pretty good at, like, aiming those when when I need to. Yeah. yeah, And I mean, you know, and I'm pretty good at finding the one button to press that's going to make you, like, go mental. And, which I don't say with any pride. It was just the thing thing I was good at for some horrible reason. And, anyway, um, so, but I'm pushing her in this argument. I'm, like, pushing her about it. And she made what I think was not a Freudian slip, but I think... An inadvertent reveal. I think she inadvertently was more truthful than she meant to, and because she was trying to be nice. She was like, she's like, you know what? She's like, I we were we were not together, and you know, it was just, you know, I was just kind of out of my own, and I just didn't, you know, want to be alone, and I, I, and and she's trying to make it right, and she says, she said, so you know, I wasn't like having any feelings, you know, when I slept with those guys. Oh. God. And she with like with the plural, and it was like. Uh oh. And it was like, you know what it was? It was like Foreman after Ali had been throwing, uh, oh, man. you know, right leads at him. And I just, you know, and that was. Well, see, and I asked it. So I, I asked Jimmy, um, you know, after, you know, I'd asked him the multiple, you know, and he's like, oh, a handful of times. And I was just like, so, because I was trying to figure it out. I guess I was just like, so do you like her? Like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, if they like, right. liked the Do you still hang out? And he's just like, he's like, Sarah. Don't make me say it. Right. I'm like, because why did you? I'm like, so why? Why did you? Why did you sleep with her? And he's just like, don't make me say it. Because sometimes like, oh, uh, people just sleep with people, you know. So I guess they do. All right. This is your future, Adam. So just uh future. <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna say the job. So I was gonna say first of all, if you stay in talk radio, at some point you're gonna have awkward conversations. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you dating anybody? Are you dating anybody? Situations. I am right now. Okay. You are so dating wait. Now do you tell her not? Uh, I'm assuming it's a woman. Uh, do you uh, tell her not to? Well. I don't know. Thanks, bud. Or big chance. Richie's walking around wearing high heels. Seriously, dude, our PA is a cross-dresser. Um, now, do you tell her not to listen? No, she's probably listening. Okay, well, first... Did she listen before she met you? No. Okay. I would tell her not to listen. Uh, if she insists on listening, 
I would, uh, because you're going to, you know, work in, in radio either here or elsewhere. First, I'll tell her, anybody you date, tell her not to listen. Urge her in the strongest possible terms not to listen. If she does, here's the thing. You'll need two things it's you need to do. Yeah, that it's going to, that you warn her that at some point you will say something and she will be upset about it. Also, here's the other thing. Even on those days when she is not listening, you must enforce upon her in the strongest possible terms. And Sarah will back me up on this. In the strongest, most definitive language, you must impress upon her the importance of not listening to her friend's secondhand version of something oh, you said on the air. Man. That has screwed me over many a time. Did you hear what they were saying on the air about you today? And it's like the friend, so-called, of her, or, you know, Sarah has had this with guys, the friend calls up the person that you're dating, is like, hey, did you hear what they were saying on the show? Oh. You know, I don't know why you stay with him. I wouldn't stay with a guy who mm-hmm. talked about me that way on the air. And I get home and Lara's like seething or whatever. She doesn't do this anymore. But I mean, early on, you know, she's, and she's like, so, somebody told me you were saying on the air today, blah, 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 you know, and it's always, the friend is always eager to make it so much worse. The friend is so ready to put you in the deep S, uh, you know, so, anyway, so you have that to look forward to and therapy. So Yay. I'm going to, next week, probably, after I talk to Sarah. Well, I was going to say, maybe if, you know, maybe if Sarah's shrink works out for me. Oh, I never told my shrink story, but when we have time. It's a lady shrink, though? Yeah, she's lady. She's super cool. I had to have issues with ladies. I, I kind of, I think I need to do a shrink. See, I, ha- I went to nothing but chick shrinks. Really? And I told Sarah that a while, after a while, I felt I needed to change. Because the, either the good or the bad thing with chick shrinks is I was always trying to get them to, like, um, be, uh, I was always trying to, like, get them to, like, be attracted to me. I was always trying to That's, seduce yeah, them. Yeah, I don't want that element in yeah. the relationship. And so I finally started going to a guy. Anyway, we'll uh, back after this. All right. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. You know why we had this conversation today, Sarah? Why, Rick? Because you're my work spouse. We never did read that. We never did. We never went through it. I really do want to know. We could do it now or I could do high concept. Let's do it now. Okay. My high concept was going to be pointless anyway. I mean, not pointless. It was just going to be ludicrous. Like, way even more so than it typically is. And that one that I came up with that one day and we had, like, one call. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was. What was that high concept we had one call about? Because the high concept usually works pretty well. But No, because the one in my car, the worst thing you found in your car was funny. That was really good. I mean, they're usually good, but there was that one you came up, b- bumper sticker you hate. That was really good. Yeah. We'll have to save it then. I'm going to write it down. Okay, Kill we'll your do television. I hate that one. Um, yeah, well, should I read this or should we have Adam read it? We should have Adam. Well, Adam, it's your last day here, probably. Tim Riley, most likely. By the way, first of all, can we say, in all sincerity, great job. You did a really good job, Adam. You were uh, quite good wonderful. Job, and you know what? I'm reading the audience, the audience response. Uh, everybody, they seem to dig you. They cotton to you, as they say. They grok what you're doing. Is there a chance I'll do this again? No. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you I know, mean Tim, Tim isn't gone a lot, but uh, yeah, if you are. If you're interested, we'd love to have you back. Thank you. Okay. Right. So you want me to just read this out? Yeah, I mean, page, I, here's huh? the thing. I, 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 the only reason I bring this because we had to sit in the pile forever. And as this conversation of the last, uh, you know, whatever, however long has, has, un, has unfolded, I was thinking about it because I heard the first time, I'll tell you this, the first time I ever heard the phrase work spouse, and I really don't know what it means, it was somebody here, uh, and I'm not telling you, but whatever, it's this guy Casey who used to work in promotions a long time ago. Uh, he was KUFO promotions. And when he left, he did, you know, the farewell to CBS because he'd been there forever. And he did like, you know, thanks to Susan Reynolds for blah, blah, blah. Thanks to Mark Whalen, who was the GM at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said thanks to Becca, who was the other, you know, his promo system. And he said, Becca comma, my work spouse, comma, who, blah, 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 blah. And I'd never, like, I never heard that phrase. I kind of instinctively knew what it. it meant. See? Okay, so there you go. So, never heard it. Adam, will you favor us with uh, this article about work spouses? You got it, dude. A work spouse is a co-worker of the opposite sex with whom you have a close platonic relationship. In many ways, these relationships can mirror a real marriage. 
According to a 2007 survey from Vault.com, a career information website, 23% of workers reported that they had a work spouse. And then there's a question asked here. So like a like a like a questionnaire, like a you may have a work spouse if that's true. Yeah, it says. Right, so let's. So what the is question it? is, do you have a work spouse? Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> first question. Oh, wait, 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 it says here are seven clear signs you might have a work spouse. All right. Number one, you depend on a particular coworker for office supplies, snacks, and aspirin. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, because probably three times a day, Sarah tells me, I'm going to go up to your desk and get some um, Advil. Yeah. yeah. Is that okay? All right. Okay, so that's a yay on one. And then yeah. we always give each other dollars for vetoes. And forks. Number two, there are inside jokes that you and a specific coworker share. Hmm. Yes. Me thinks. Number three. Like a Florida sounder that completely, uh, like, perplexed you. The guy from Florida. No. All right. Florida. Okay. Yes. Number three. Thanks. You can be bluntly honest with this person about his or her appearance, hygiene, or hair, and vice versa. Uh, see the earlier story about Sarah uh, taking me to the mall with a gay man and changing everything. And I say this to people, and I think they think that it's like a funny line. No, when, it's true. When I say that every th- anytime you see me wearing something good or looking good in any way, it's Sarah. Like, I don't, I have no independent thought. Okay. Uh, number four. When something eventful happens at work, this coworker is the first person you seek out for a debriefing. I would say about many things, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, we're doing pretty good here. Number five. In fact, I will always call Sarah, and she'll answer the phone like, are we fired? Yeah. Especially when you call me at 3.30. You're yeah. going to call me that. after 3.30. Yeah. Uh, number five. At breakfast, lunch, and coffee breaks, your closest coworker knows what to order for you and how you like your coffee, and or, vice versa. Or maybe we go to the bathroom um, at the exact same time for the every. We That's because of the visa. And our bathroom orders. breaks are the same length. All right. I would, I would know what to order for Sarah yeah. quite a lot of time during the day anyway. All right. Two more? Sure. Number six. You and your coworker can finish each other's sentences. Sentences? <laughs> And finally, we're obviously retard. our work spouses, I guess. Uh, number seven, someone in your office knows almost as much about your personal life as your best friend or real-life spouse does. I think the last 40 minutes would uh, indicate that that's a big yes. I think so. Yep. Right. So uh, on that note, that all right, that. we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, Steve Kastenbaum and Lisa Desjardins today. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with the lovely and talented and crazy Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 The Talker. In the newsroom, Adam Thompson, Tim Riley, Bishon Smarrow, Richie Bristol on the phones, gatekeeper Davidson, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Uh, thanks for listening. Watch April Snakes. See you tomorrow. Bye. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.